Gentlemen, let's broaden our minds. Welcome to Vital Social Issues and Stuff with Chris and John Wayne. I, of course, am John Wayne Communale, and with me is Christopher Triana. Chris, how you doing, sir? I'm very good, sir. How are you today? I'm excellent. Um, also, a new thing to the podcast, this this is our uh, still the third episode we were recording, and, and if you uh, have started listening, we have video that we've incorporated, so you could see us. We actually, you know, Chris, you fl- I, I noticed you fluffed out the... the the chops and you got the batman shirt on uh looking sexy i like it you know i of course uh you know i put this nice shirt on of the lost boys and twilight and uh and and you know and we're we're making it happen i feel really good about it it's fun we have our own youtube channel and you can go to the website now chrisandjohnwayne.com do you believe it did you ever think that we would have a, a dot com with our names smashed together like that it's a beautiful thing you it know. really is. It really is. You know, like to, for us to bring this kind of joy to the world, you know, like I think we're, I don't think it's vain at all to say that we may be up for the Nobel Peace Prize for saving 2020. Yeah, the Nobel Peace Prize, which is in no way related to the Nobel Peace Prize. We just want to let you know it's, uh, it has to do with the Nobel Bakery and uh, fresh breads that we have down if here, you, undisclosed location. And uh, <laughs> I've been drinking for the for the sake of the show, for the comedy of the show. I've been uh, drinking coffee today uh, mm. because I, I I'm going to drink a beer in a minute. My, my wife went to actually get me a beer because she's great. Uh, a big one. That's but I did one. some I did. A, I did some drinking and stuff this weekend. But I also wanted to give an update because I also did this this weekend. I, I talked to you while I was doing it I, last week. If you listen to last week's episode, we discussed blood machines, which is the, the Seth Eicherman written and directed uh, right. Carpenter Brutes scored 50 minute short film kind of sci-fi opera. It's, it's gorgeous to look at. And I was like, man, we need, I, I should have done uh, mushrooms and watch that. And I said, you know, what? I'm going to do that. And mm-hmm. people, this is just the kind of quality you can expect from this show. When I say I'm going to do something, gosh darn it, I come through and do it. He's so a I, man of his word, folks. I didn't take mushrooms, though I had them. I took some acid and uh, some of these gel gel hits. It's like two and a half gel hit acids things. And uh, when it started to come on, I was like watching Blood Machines. Yeah. And uh, let me just tell you, it was it was, of course, awesome to look at because it's so beautiful. And the music is uh amazing and we we have like a, a kind of a good sound system on our on our tv because my it was a uh, my wife uh it was like her graduation present from when she graduated from college um or something so it's it's a pretty nice system her dad knows about uh, you know speakers and stuff so we have a sub and everything and i had that shit cranked in my yeah, living yeah, room as you like, should with that shit music. was shaking and i was just like yeah. right in front of it watching but you know it when you when you are on a hallucinogen i know people probably are like all right you're all like woohoo john wayne whatever you know seeing dragons flying through your eyeballs right, right. no but you're you just kind of like how marijuana affects your thought pattern where you might make different connections and associations or see something in a different way like than your normal 
maybe thought pattern would go. Yeah. And that's the same thing with acid. So I was watching this and I really got uh, way into the story way more where I, I took all of these different nuances away from it. And right. it, yeah, I was sure. like, holy shit, dude, this, this movie has got such a, a, a story about like the rise of the divine feminine and the res restoration of that power. And, uh, it does. It does. It, it yeah. really does. And I, it, I, I, I was like, man, that you walk away with like a sense of like it, it wants to give you a sense of hope that, you know, I, how, how we don't know how we got to this culture of dick pics and upskirts, but we can still come back from it. That's what right. I that was going through my mind when I was watching it. Yeah. And I was really like a super into it. So all I can say, I again, recommend it. And if you want to do some acid and watch it. Uh, crank it up and watch it because it's it was so it was so cool and I uh, I would like to I would like to say too um, just for clarification on um, last week's episode uh, we were talking about Carpenter Brute and how much we like Carpenter Brute but we were both uh, kind of like is that is that one guy or is that a whole band or whatever so I, I did check and it is one guy uh, he's a a, a French uh, artist named Frank Huzo. Um, so it is one guy. I just wanted to let our fans know that, you know, and, uh, give, give props to Frank Huso, who is Carpenter Brew because he makes incredible music. Yeah. And also Seth Eicherman, uh, those two directors are French as well. And right. I want to say this, uh, I do have death packs and left hand paths came out in French, uh, is out there on E38 publications. Buy it, Buy so it. French, French folks, French fans, let's get it in the hands of Carpenter Brute. Tell him we're shouting him out on the podcast, and if he wants to, you know, maybe score the podcast, he could, you know, that'd be cool. And if your French publishers are listening, I have <laughs> books. You've got some books. Chris has got. Uh, I yeah. got books and books and books and books. And yes, and you should be. Uh, and then we could, you know, what we could finally do that live broadcast from the top of the Eiffel Tower that we've always talked about. Right. You know, we could go that together. Would, that would be good. Eat some croissant. Together, like she -ba -da -ba -da -ba -da -ba -da. Eat a croissant. Dun, 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 da -da. I would like to say, because uh, you were talking about um, about acid and how and how it enhances, uh, or uh, I mean, or enhances or alters at least um, the viewing experience. Um, I, as I said on the last show, I don't do uh, hallucinogens anymore, but I was very into them when I was a teenager, and uh, and. I will say there are certain movies that, like like my buddy Creston and I, shout outs to Creston, uh, guy I grew up with. We were both now now that's Creston, not Creston. Creston. No, it's not. It's Creston with a, with a C. Uh, he and I shout did out. way too much acid together. Way too much. Like I think it caused permanent damage to my brain. Um, so anyway. When we when we were doing that, um, we didn't do what most people did. Most people most people like have or at least it seems most people have this thing with acid where they're just like, I'm gonna just like chill out and make sure my 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 high is a happy one that I have a good trip. I'm gonna do mellow stuff. Uh, Pink Floyd, Grateful Dead, watch Wizard of Oz. Whoa, um, we That's didn't in the movies, kids. You know, no, no. A lot of people are like that though. A lot of people are. They want to. They, they're afraid of having the bad trip. You know, uh, so they want to keep things mellow. And, and I understand why, because a bad trip is really bad. But uh, what Creston and I did is we pursued the bad trip. We were like, we want to be freaked out. We, you know, we love horror. We love all things evil and twisted. And so we would go to see horror movies in the theater, tripping on acid. Uh, Dude, and I, 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 one, uh, I almost want to stop you because we could 
talk about i i could we could trade stories i'm sure about doing weird crazy things on acid sure it could almost be a whole episode it could be a whole episode and maybe but, but, but give me this example give us this example yeah, as a teaser one but thing before we get to our, our our topic uh our starting topic um just because you were talking about acid and how it uh broadened um uh blood machines for you um i i i didn't the first time i saw it i wasn't on acid but one of my favorite films of all time and a film that really deeply influenced me as a writer is John Carpenter's In the Mouth of Madness, which came out in 1994. Uh, I saw it. I was sober the first time I saw it. Blew me away. I think I saw it in the theater at least five more times, and each time I was tripping on acid. And to this day, when I watch that movie, I get that kind of mild acid flashback. <laughs> like, like I get this weird, like, tingling See, that's awesome. feeling, you know? <laughs> Like uh, that guy on that when that guy just they tight close up on him. It do you read such a cane? I'm sure that yeah. was like fucking like the people's eyes dilating and all that. With that was weird eyes and just like, there's a lot of like mind fucks in that movie. A lot of like psychedelic uh, elements. Um, and yeah. so so yeah. Anyway, I, I I get what what my point is. Is I get what you were saying about seeing a film a little differently or or, or a film being intensified by the use of LSD. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, not that it requires it, not that there's anything wrong no. with that. No, 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 not These at all. These are just opinions, folks. In the mouth allegedly, of, in the mouth of madness and uh, blood machines, both are exceptional. They don't, re- you don't need acid to make them good. They're they're great. You know? No, but and in the mouth of movies is also uh, was a great uh, small video chain in the uh, southwest. Oh yeah, for a while. No, I'm joking. <laughs> <laughs> oh, cool it could have, could have been. It could have been. I've, I've often I've often uh, joked about how I want to write a book one day called in the vagina of madness, but, uh, I'm not going to, I just think, it's, I don't, I wouldn't No, <laughs> I'm not going to, I just think it's funny. Um, but, uh, anyway, anyway, we're going to leave the acid for another day. That might be a future episode. It might not. Maybe. Um, but, uh, what we, what the, the first thing that we want to talk about, um, there was, uh, there was a news article that came out. Uh, and unlike almost every other news card article of 2020, this was really, really good news. And <laughs> and our listeners and our listeners know, uh, our listeners know yeah. that vital social issues and stuff with Chris and John Wayne, right. we like to keep things positive, That's right. uh, because not because we like to, you know, ignore you know big issues going on. Uh, we have respect for all of that. But that's not what our show is about. Our show is trying to lift people up and give them a good time and have fun. So this one piece of news was so goddamned good. Very good. That that I, I immediately texted you. I was like, this needs to be part of the show. This needs to be a big part of the show. And knowing that you two are a fan of what we're about to discuss, discuss, uh, I, I thought it would be perfect. So Wait, you too? I don't really like you too. Well, no one likes you too. No one whose opinion matters. Sorry to everyone <laughs> out there who likes you too. I apologize deeply. I regret my statement. I, um, I regret nothing. Anyway, uh, <laughs> so uh, no. I as well. Um, yes, you as well. Uh, so we're going to jump right into this news. Um, uh, we're going to start. Our first topic today is. One, two, three, four. <laughs> yes, right. Batman. Um, so here's the news. 
Now, before I begin, I wanted to let you all know that uh, we're recording this podcast on uh, the 29th of June. Uh, because what we like to do is we like to have a few in the bag ahead of time, just in case something happens and we can't record one or whatever. We want to make sure that all of you listeners always have one every Thursday. Now, uh, what I'm talking about, the, 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 um, and what John Wayne and I is going to talk about too, is this news, uh, that came out and it's from the film industry. It's from Hollywood. Out there in Hollywood. Out there in Hollywood. Um, it's news about Batman. Now, I I want to start by saying that uh, comic book movies, to me, are overdone. Uh, it's been going on for too long now. Uh, it, like once you get to where there's like an Ant Man movie, it's like really, what are you doing? You know, and and apologies to all fans of Ant Man. I deeply apologize. I regret my statement. But allegedly, but so. <laughs> Really, like it's just too much. It's too fucking much, you know. I, I agree. I'm not super into the comic book movies uh, either, just because it seems so exhausting to have to watch all of them to put the story together. Because right. there's right. so fucking many of them, and uh, and I don't know. I just uh, it's just not my my thing. I, I sure. can't say sure. that like they're awful because so many people like them. But yeah, you're right. I think there's too many. Like now, where are you gonna go? They're rebooting the entire universe again. So right. so. So we got to start over 20, 20 more years of your and, versions of these characters again. Like, yeah, what and they have like multiple universes going on at the same time. It's like you know, like here's this Joker, here's that Joker, here's you know. Oh, like, that's DC are, though. That I was, I was that talking is, more about. The no, I know you're talking. I know, I know. But we're like, I'm, I'm saying with both of them, like, oh, excuse yeah. me. Uh, but but with both of them, really, like, there are so many different universes and reboots, and like if something fails, they do it again. I mean, look at how many times they've they've tried to do the Hulk with um with marvel oh, God, you know? yeah so um i saw yeah. that angley one in the theater oh. and i i smoked two blunts before i went in and fell asleep in the middle oh, it was so yeah. awful yeah i remember seeing that in the theater too and there was a little kid and his mother uh behind me mm-hmm. and it was like 45 minutes in and the little boy turned to his mom and went mommy where's the hulk <laughs> and i turned around and i was like yeah, you're right. Like this is this is bullshit, you know. And then you uh, led the charge, and everyone stood up, and it was like Hulk, 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 and throwing shit at the screen. Oh yeah, and, no, they're, and they're, that's they're, and that's how you got banned for life from the AMC theater, from the AMC theater which is what we're really here to talk about. I today. put the kid on my shoulders and everything, yeah. and I was just like Hulk, Hulk, Hulk. We want Hulk, Hulk or death. Um, anyway, getting back to things. Um, <laughs> the news that came out was incredibly exciting. For me, and I know for many other people too, the news was that in the upcoming Flash standalone film, Michael Keaton is in talks to return as Batman. Now, this it's such an interesting way. It is mind blowing. It is. It is in an interesting way. Now, again, we're recording this on the 29th, and it will air on the 8th of July. So. Other developments may have come out by the time that we do this, uh, by, the, by the, you know, so by the time that you hear this. So if it has, great, but we're just going to talk about it anyway. Um, the Flash film is apparently, allegedly, uh, allegedly <laughs> going to be, at least in part, about uh, based on a graphic novel called The Flashpoint Paradox. Uh, this is a really, really good story. Um, I'm 
a DC boy all the way. And it pains me deeply uh, that that their cinematic universe has failed on every level. Um, yeah, that's too bad. It, it really, yeah, it is. Because I love Batman. I love Superman. Those are my favorites. And you think you'd put them together. It's peanut butter and jelly. But they put together peanut butter and shit. They did. <laughs> I think they put together vomit and shit. Like, like well, peanut butter would mean half of it's good. Well, yeah. you can peanut butter in one hand, shit in the other, and see what fills up faster. That's, that's true. That's true. Uh, but yeah, it's yeah, no, it's it's bad. So uh, any anyway, uh, the Flashpoint Paradox is a really great graphic novel, and it deals with the Flash, who is not my personal favorite uh, hero. I don't think mo- most people wouldn't consider him the best. Uh, if your arch enem- if your arch enem- enemy is a curb, you're probably not the coolest. Uh, superhero, right? Okay, that was that was a sick burn. <laughs> that was sick, uh, wasn't it? But but oh, I man. did like I like the Mount Flash. Aloe is gonna fix that burn, right? <laughs> I did like the old Flash series that was on in the '90s. I remember watching that as a kid and thinking that was a fun show. Oh, did you yeah. not watch it? You didn't like it? I, I I remember it. It was not it was not great. But uh, you know what's funny though is is you. I'm glad you mentioned this because uh, this is something I wanted to touch on before we get into the whole thing. Um, in Back back in our day, because we're old, you know, like uh, late... I, we're not we're not old, dude. We're just we're just here. Okay, so you're not old, but I'm old. Uh, so back <laughs> back in in our day, in my day at least, um, it was kind of the polar opposite that it is now. Uh, Marvel is great right now in cinema, and DC sucks. But back in the day, it was the opposite, dude. Like. Christopher Reeve Superman, Michael Keaton Batman. What the fuck did Marvel have? Like their movies were like straight to video and they were terrible. Shitty they were ass. Terrible. They, they were way worse than these DC movies are today. Uh, way worse. God even, damn. even if you adjust for uh, adjust for inflation or whatever, there right. right. I mean, you had Captain America wearing like a weird helmet on a bike, like a stupid motorcycle. Yeah. They, and you remember remember the claymation rats in that movie and shit? Oh my yeah. god, so bad. You had Spider-Man climbing on like a, a a movie screen wall it was just like uh it was all awful. everything was awful i mean the they punisher have... was bad everything oh god with dolph lundgren yeah that was really bad it couldn't have had less to do with the comics uh they had the hulk show which was pretty pretty fun that was kick-ass uh, but 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 other than that they they were they were bad um uh, whereas dc had this massive superman this massive batman these huge epic films that are really great and still hold up to this day um so that said, getting back to the Flashpoint Paradox, uh, Flashpoint Paradox is a really cool story. The Flash uh, basically goes back in time to try to save his mother, and in doing so, he fucks it up uh, Back to the Future style. Like, the whole world, the, the, like, the whole uni- DC universe that he lives in um, gets all cattywampus, right? It, it, yeah, and it's, uh, this is, I, I really, this captures my imagination because it, I, I like the fact that it just, everything is so fucking different. Um, mm-hmm. that it it just turns it opens up so many story <clears throat> story possibilities. It does, yeah. Which, uh, um, which I read in that article that 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 they might explore those further from this right. movie. That's a possibility. That is like because I mean, do you want to? You're the Batman guy. I'll let you disclose what exactly, yes. how exactly Batman works in the Flashpoint universe. Yes, thank you. Um, I also have read Flashpoint Paradox, and I've also seen the animated film. While people diss the DC universe, and rightly so, DC has consistently put out excellent, excellent 
um, animated movies. That true. Uh, Nick P has a bunch of them on his Voodoo account that I bought. They're, they're uh, very good. They're very good. Yeah. Uh, I particularly, I know I particularly love the Batman ones. You know, the Red Hood film and uh, Salt on Arkham, which like was a better Suicide Squad uh, movie than Suicide Squad could ever hope to be. <clears throat> Excuse me. Um. So, uh, where was I going with this? What, what, the, what happens in the Flashpoint? <laughs> Thank you. How, how Batman works in that. So universe. what happens is because uh, the Flash goes back and saves his mom, it, it alters the timeline. It, you know, it's that pole butterfly effect thing. And what happens is instead of uh, Bruce, uh, I mean, instead of uh, Thomas and Martha Wayne dying uh, in that famous alley where the pearls drop and Bruce Wayne sees his crime alley, die, mind you, crime alley. It, it, instead of it happening that way. What happens is Bruce, as a boy, is killed uh, instead. And this just utterly destroys the Waynes. And Martha, Bruce Wayne's mother, goes so insane that she becomes the Joker. Yeah, so she's that, so cool. she's that world's Joker, for Christ's sake. Now, Thomas Wayne... He becomes Batman, but he's a much more brutal, violent Batman. He uses firearms and stuff. Uh, he's a, he's he's a he's a really pissed off Punisher style Batman. Yeah. Um, now, because of this, and because in the, you know the story, obviously Thomas Wayne is older than Bruce Wayne, so he's an older Batman. Now, so there was a lot of speculation. It's like, okay, if Michael Keaton's coming back, Michael Keaton's in his sixties now. If he's going to play Batman, he has to be an older Batman. It only makes sense. You know, they can't try to, unless they're going to use a, a disgusting amount of CGI, he can't be a younger Batman. Mm-hmm. So there's all this, there was all this speculation that he was going to be the Thomas Wayne Batman, which could be kind of cool. Yeah. However, 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 it came out after the fact um, that he would not be the Thomas Wayne Batman, he would indeed be Bruce Wayne. So they can't be going totally off of the flashpoint paradox. If that's oh, that I didn't know that they said yeah, that they did. They did. Oh, well that pisses me off. Smooth off. I wanted well, to see him play a Tommy Wayne. No, there's, he's still going to play an older Batman though. So he's, they're not going to just try to like, be like, Oh, he's totally 30 years old. And they're not, they're not going to try to pull that shit. He's, but it's kind of disappointing that they're not making the Flash movie directly about or, or like completely based on Flashpoint Paradox because it's such a great DC story. It really is good. And and if you don't want to read the graphic novel, folks, you can see the animated film that was put out by DC. It's exceptional. I highly recommend it. Um, and, and if yeah, and if you want uh, Nick P's Voodoo account, just DM me and I'll send you the, the password. You can log in and watch it. <laughs> or <laughs> no, I'm or, joking. Please or don't. Please don't DM don't me. Don't pirate. No, yeah. don't pirate. Please support the arts. Um, These are jokes, people. <laughs> they're jokes and jokes and jokes and jokes. So, um, so yeah, the story I guess is going to differ from that graphic novel uh, or uh, the, or that series. I guess I should say it's going to differ from it slightly. And because what they want to do is, I don't know if this will be an alternate timeline or what, because it, it, it's worth noting that on top of this, there's the Robert Pattinson movie coming out, yeah. which is called The Batman, uh, where he plays Batman. So yeah. this is what we were talking about a second ago, where there's like multiple universes going on within the same uh, same category, you know? Yeah, world. get it together. Can um, we get on the same page here? 
Yeah, well, and you know, like poor, poor Robert Pattinson. Talk about getting your fucking thunder stolen. Like people are like, oh yeah, he's got this new Batman movie. What? Wait a second, Michael Keaton coming back as Batman. Robert who? Like you know, like who the fuck cares about that now? You know, um, yeah. because apparently Keaton is not going to be just like a cameo in this. He's going to be a big character. Wow. I, and, you know, like yeah, yeah, it's really exciting. Um, Do you think that that may be purposely done to get people to come see a Flash movie? A standalone I mean, Flash that's, movie. That's a good point. That's a good point. Because I mean, you think about Flash. it. You said yeah, you said yeah. how DC like everything they've they've tried. They've it's a misfire. You know. Yes. They they overcorrect in every movie. They just way overcorrect. They do. So maybe they're like, all right, well, Flash. He's he's kind of lame, but you know, whatever. But if we throw this Batman and we make it Michael Keaton, that's how we win them back, baby. Yes. Yeah. Yes. Somebody's in the room just giving that pitch, and then they're like. Yeah. Get Keaton on the phone. Right, right. So, yeah. so it makes sense that they'd want to make Batman a big part of it to uh, kind of get that interest Just back. To pull people in. Yeah, absolutely. And one of the other things, that, like one of the reasons that they, that they apparently want him to be Bruce Wayne and not Thomas Wayne in this story is they want, it, they want him to appear as Batman in subsequent movies. They, they don't want it to just be exclusive to this one. Uh, so it might even it might not even be that he's Batman in a parallel world, but in the actual world world, because they want him apparently to be almost like the Nick Fury equivalent of the DC world, where he's an older Batman leading the younger heroes. Uh, they also said that he would be somewhat inspired not just by the Flashpoint Paradox story, but Batman himself would be inspired by the Kingdom Come story, which was a series in the 1990s where the DC heroes of, of old, uh, Batman, Superman, Wonder Woman, etc., uh, they're all older. They're like the senior citizens uh, Justice Justice League, and they're taking on these new, uh, these new uh, era of villains and punks. It was a really good, really successful series. Um, and in I that... I have the graphic novel of that here in the Library of Evil. Hey, nice. So you know what I'm talking about. Yeah. You know. So it's not it's not clear though if like how far they're going to take that story-wise and if Bruce Wayne is going to have like the exoskeleton uh put in that he has cuz like, you know, years of uh fighting has broken every goddamn bone in his body as yeah. it tends to do. Uh so yeah, it's it's a really exciting development. Um particularly for People like me, who their favorite incarnation on screen of Batman is the Michael Keaton, Tim Burton Batman films. Um, and so we're going to talk a little bit about those movies. I know, yeah. uh, John Wayne, that you too are in love those those films. Yeah, I, again, I mean, I really don't like you too, the band, but those films are... Well, uh, yes, I mean, Jesus uh, <laughs> It's a callback, darling. <laughs> yeah, we those... Uh, you know, I, we were touching on it earlier before we started. I have very specific. That's a specific touchstone in my life is the right. bat, when Batman 89 came out where I, it's probably the first time I remember uh, the first film that like from the very first preview that I saw or trailer, uh, it, I was obsessed with it coming out and just, it, you know, cutting out the pic like the in the newspaper where it'd be in the movie listings, like coming soon and be like the Batman symbol and like shit. I would cut those out of the newspaper yeah, and, yeah. and shit. I did all kinds of stupid, creepy shit like that as a kid, just like waiting for this Batman to come out. And it was the first, uh, first movie that I 
made sure that my mom took us to the 11 a.m. first showing at our Lowe's Spring 10 Theater, the movie theater in our neighborhood, and we were there waiting in line to get into the first showing, and uh, that was it. It was such a big fucking deal. 31 years ago this month. Oh, wow. Well, I had... Yeah. This month. What a time. It came out out in June of 89, 31 years ago. Yeah. Uh, But no, you're absolutely right, man. Like the summer of 89, that was the summer of the bat. I mean, Batman was everywhere. It didn't matter if you were a a comic book fan. That shit took over the world. It did. And even uh, I remember, speaking of cutting out all the Batman stuff I could find, it even was in... uh, a Calvin and Hobbes comic strip, the three panel ones that were in the, the newspaper every day yeah, where, yeah. where, where they, he, you know, there was like a week where they touched on Batman coming Stupendous out and, man. and Cal, yeah, Calvin was that, but this was about Batman coming out. I mean, there was all, it, it was, it, per, it was everywhere. It was. And everyone yeah. was excited about it. It was everyone very, had a Batman t-shirt, a Batman had a Batman trapper keeper. They had like everything. Dude. Yeah. Yeah. It was huge. It was huge. Um, in, and uh, w- like we we were talking about doing this podcast, and I texted you pictures of some of the stuff I have of like the Batman toys that came out in '89 that I still have in the package because I'm a, such a nerd. Um, uh, some of some people can maybe see in the, in the back if you're watching the, the the YouTube video of this. I have a standee. I'm going to tilt my camera. I have a standee. This is a Batman. Um, this is a, a display from 1990 where the, when the film came out on video cassette and it's one of those displays that held uh, VHS tapes and it's a cardboard cutout of Michael Keaton as Batman. I have this shit in my house and it holds all of my books. Uh, not, not my books as in my library. It's too big, but my personal books that I've written are all stacked on there with pride. Um, Keaton is my favorite Batman, obviously. And, and you have, so you do have all the original, like, first wave of, of figures that were released. Dude, I, um, even have, I even have Bob. I know, I was going to say, I was going to, uh, you know, you have Bob, and I don't know if a lot of people know this, but that's where Kevin Smith based Silent Bob on, was that character mm. uh, that he's, you know, that he brought out in the Clerks films well, and, and such. Because Bob is pretty silent in the Batman movie. Exactly. So wow, he, yeah. I, I figured you would know something like that, just so that you could turn it around and make fun of me for knowing it in some way. No, not at all. <laughs> not at all. Uh, no, no, no. Yeah. I didn't know that. I didn't. Um, but uh, yeah, so let's talk about Batman '89 a little bit, uh, because I have uh, not only do I have uh, fond memories of it. I think I, I saw that movie um, more times in the theater than any other film I've ever seen, except for Batman Returns. I saw Batman Returns an obscene amount of times in the theater, uh, particularly because then it, it, like that whole dollar theater thing started, and oh, I went yeah. and saw it like when it was second tier. I saw it in the dollar theater over and over again. Um, <clears throat> yeah, I didn't have that kind of transportation available to me where I could go to the movies over. Well, this was in walking distance. Yeah, yeah. I, I mean, by when well, Batman. Returns... Wait, did you say that was in walking distance? Are you trying to make a clever turn of phrase? Oh, oh no! no I, I was that clever. <laughs> Joaquin this distance yes yeah yeah we didn't have that in my in my place of living at the time well, i used to walk everywhere and ride my bike everywhere and the dollar theater was you think uh, you're better than me right no no <laughs> we don't at all i had a bike man all right <laughs> i got a rash man <laughs> i got a rash anyway so, so 
Here's a couple of fun facts uh, um, that I thought the listeners would enjoy. Because, I mean, I could just sit here and talk about, I love this movie, because I do. Uh, but I thought it'd be kind of cool yeah, to rattle cool. off some fun facts about Batman cool. 89. Are you ready? I'm ready. I'm getting more marijuana than listening to you. Okay, you're ready then. Uh, so let's start with the character of Batman. Now, when they were first talking about doing this movie, there were several different directors, uh, you know, like attached to it, uh, the potentially to direct it, and there were different styles. Now, you have to remember, before this movie came out, the dark Batman didn't really exist on film. Uh, the last incarnation of Batman was the was Batman sixty six. You know, the Adam West program. Uh, which is a fine, fine film. I mean, I'm a fine, fine series, I should say. I mean, you know it's good because it only ran for three seasons, and here it is 55 years later, and people are still watching it, still love it. Uh, God bless Adam West. God bless Burt Ward. Um, and God bless Julie Newmar. Oh, man. Oh, my God. She, she's, she is Catwoman as far as I'm concerned. And, and you know what? Cesar Romero is my Joker. You know, yeah, he's, the, he's he's actually way more disturbing than people give him credit for. That guy never blinks when he plays the Joker. And, well, go and back and watch that show. He does not blink. It's terrifying. And it's so uh, just the fact that there's makeup over the mustache uh, <laughs> is so unsettling <laughs> as well. That you're just like, God damn, he this refused. is crazy. The he Joker is really crazy. <laughs> he refused to shave that mustache, man. Yeah, absolutely. Um, so anyway, uh, the, the, that was the last version of Batman that we had before the 89 uh, uh, Keaton Burton film. Mm -hmm. So at first there was talks about making it campy, uh, of keeping in line with, with that trend. Uh, and some of the people that were originally considered for the role are comedic actors. We almost had Bill Murray as Batman in 1989. And, not, and that might not have been too bad. That would have been really funny. I think that could have been really funny. I'm glad it didn't go that way. I'm glad that they went the way they did. But yeah, that was one of the people considered. Uh, some of the directors that were originally considered included Ivan Reitman, who gave us Ghostbusters, mm -hmm. and Joe Dante, who gave us Gremlins and The Birds. Uh, so it could have gone in a very different direction. Now, once they decided, uh, they the reason they decided that they were going in a darker direction is because of the success of Frank Miller's epic graphic novel, The Dark Knight Returns, which is incredibly dark, much darker even than the Burton film. Uh, so that, that was successful, and they were like, okay, we can really do this. We can take it in a serious direction the same way that DC had successfully taken the Superman uh, films uh, in the late 70s, uh, yeah. which got campier as they went. But the first movie, it was like the fucking godfather of... of uh, superhero films, you know, it was yeah. long and it was epic. Uh, so that we can do this. Um, so some of the people that were, uh, uh, that were originally considered to play the main, the tight, the titular, titular role, um, of Batman were kind of interesting too. One of them was, uh, Ray Liotta. Oh my God. Yeah. For, for <coughs> the dark, for the dark version that we ended up with, Ray Liotta was considered, uh, and he turned it down. Because Thank God. He turned it down because of the of the old Adam West show. Because he was like, I don't want to do something campy. I'm I'm a serious actor. I just, you know, I'm good fellas and shit like that. Uh so he turned it down. And it's one of the biggest regrets of his career, according to him. 
and, even those anti-smoking commercials that he did. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> um, other people that were up for the role include uh, Pierce Brosnan, uh, who l- later became Bond. Yep, and he also regrets turning it down. And Tom Selleck, Magnum PI himself, oh, was dude. almost Batman. Yeah. Could you imagine a Tom Selleck Batman? A mustachioed Batman. Maybe he would paint his mustache down too, just like. No, it, it would have to be like built even <laughs> built into the suit. Like as right. we'll as we'll talk later, you know, there was an iteration right, of bat right. suits with with nipples on them. Yes, there could yes. be a cowl with a a, 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 a mustache on it, like <laughs> like uh, like the muscles. Like it's that's uh, that could have happened. Dude. That would have been love that. That would have been great. But one thing that I do remember when this when the image of these when you first saw this image as a child of this new Batman. You were just like that old commercial for Maxell tape where your the hair is blown back and that, everything. That, it was it was that mind blowing. You were like, it was man, oh. it was. And, you know, and like yeah, at the I time, gotta get that vent fixed. My hat got shot up to the you know. <laughs> yeah, yeah. At the time, uh, when when that first trailer hit, and you could go on YouTube if you want and and watch that original trailer. It's so simplistic. It's not there's no music or anything. It's just clips. It's just a couple of quick clips. And people lost their fucking minds, dude, because uh, up until that point, people were so pissed that Michael Keaton was chosen for the role yeah. because he was just no, he was Mr. Mom. You know, he was like not this badass character of Batman, but he pulls it off so well. He's so great. Uh, and once people saw that footage and they saw him in the in the role and in that awesome all black for the first yeah. time, Batman costume. Like body armor type looking. Yeah, just, yeah, uh, yeah. Uh, people lost their minds, man. And, and, and yeah, minds. yeah, you're, you're absolutely right. There was, there was more buzz. There was more excitement about this movie than any other movie I can remember in my lifetime. I, it certainly, uh, I don't know. Cause there's star, the star Wars, uh, you have to like those new ones got all stuff, right? Those were bigger than, than this well, one, well, I guess I, I, I would say in my in my as far as affecting me, maybe affecting us, yes, because that that movie was like I said, the first movie I ever was like followed for the whole months, you know, right, leading right. up. But I'm, I mean, I'm saying the buzz just in general oh. in this country uh, or even the world. Like Star Wars, of course, was huge, but Star Wars, like the first Star Wars movie came out in '77. That's the year I was born, so I didn't really experience. The buzz. Um, and yeah, it was a big excitement when like Phantom Menace came out. Everyone was flipping out. Uh, and But not the same way as, in my mind, as Batman 89. Like we said before, it took over everything. Everyone had a Batman t-shirt on that summer. I agree. I agree. It certainly would be up there amongst uh, anybody. Anybody could challenge you know, that. <laughs> Nobody could say it wouldn't be up there. It right. Was, it, take, it, it really did take over everything. What... Uh, was it was it McDonald's that had Batman uh, yes. stuff? Yeah, they had. And I know this because I still have them. Yeah, yeah, because that that was back <laughs> when uh, I don't know. Do fast food franchises like pair up with movies like they, they, they did, did back then? No, they did. I still do, have the cops. No, no, I know. I'm saying, did do do movies do that today? Because back they then do. it was a regular thing, like Jurassic they, Park. Yes, they do. They do. Movie. But but. They do, but they're they're all like kid films now because oh. it's more like Happy Meal stuff, you know. 
and I will actually, that's actually uh, something I'm going to get to when we talk about Batman Returns uh, and how that affected that. Um, to, to, to go back to how big this film was, uh, when it came out, it was the very first film in movie history to hit $100 million in 10 days. And you've got to think about that um, in 1989 dollars as well, you know? Mm-hmm. Uh, so that was that was groundbreaking, you know, and yeah. it put it put Tim Burton on the map. Um, he had already done, of course, some really good movies, but this like exploded him into fame. Uh, but um, a couple of more facts about it that are fun. I didn't get to uh, the I, I talked about who almost played Batman, but I did not talk about who almost played Joker, who really has more screen time than Batman does in the mm-hmm. film. Uh, Jack Nicholson, of course, ended up playing the role, and he's phenomenal it's one of his greatest performances he's one of the greatest jokers but there was a couple of really interesting people who were considered for the role who one was willem dafoe oh man yeah he would have been a really good batman i mean he made a great green goblin too you made you made a a good joker wait he he would have been joker no yeah yeah yeah. joker Joker. i'm sorry yeah no you're right uh that's that's what i meant to say uh he would have made a really good joker I, I definitely think so. He was a very good Green Goblin in Sam Raimi's Spider-Man, uh, but yeah, yeah he would have been a good—he would have been a good menacing uh, yeah. Joker. Uh, yeah, some definitely. of the other people that were considered, uh, James Woods, was considered oh. for the role. <laughs> oh, I'm glad we didn't get that. <laughs> yeah, yeah, I don't think that would have worked. Uh, th- this one uh, probably would have probably will uh, interest our our viewers. Uh, David Bowie. <gasps> oh, yeah, right. <laughs> Right? Pretty, that's pretty freaky, man. Right? I'm David Bowie from 1989's Batman. Right? right? <laughs> that would be Imagine crazy. Imagine that. David Bowie is as Joker in a in a film scored by Prince. You Dude, know? that would have been. <laughs> oh man, I almost, I almost would trade for that because mm. it would still be an epic thing. Like if they put like James Woods or even Willem Dafoe, I feel like it, it wouldn't have like the maintain the gravitas i guess that it does because oh, yeah you know yeah. jack nicholson and michael keaton are still phenomenal you know mm-hmm. in their own right these titans of actual real actors you know and and that also makes the film so great and and stand yeah. the test of time yeah but absolutely fuck, dude if you had a bowie in there doing like a yeah um, Freaky joker bowie like right. you know with his god <laughs> piece and shit that would be <laughs> like, rad like full labyrinth, like if he sang all the Prince songs, pardon man, yeah. pardon man, we oh. can party like, you know, yeah, yeah. Where so that, does he get those wonderful toys, babe? Freaky toys. Yeah. Oh, that been, would have been awesome. It could have been cool. It could have been cool. Okay, uh, but who else? Uh, two more. Um, one, and I definitely. Uh, above Bowie, above Woods, above Defoe, I think, and I think this guy should have played Joker at some point. Uh, Tim Curry. I got Tim it. fucking Curry. Tim Curry should have done his. He should have been a Joker at some point, even if it was just, um, uh, even if it was an animated film, and he just voiced. Him. And this is taking nothing away from the great Mark Hamill, who did the voice of Joker in Batman the Animated Series and has continued to do the voice of Joker in some of the uh, independent DC animated films. And the video games as well. What's that? 
And he does the voice of the Joker in the video games as well. Right, right. At least like the Arkham Asylum series. Uh, He's fantastic. Yeah. He's so good as, as the Joker. Um, and the, 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 the other one, the one who, who came extremely close. Now, if, if Nicholson hadn't become the Joker, this guy would have gotten the role. Okay. And that is Robin Williams. Whoa. He wanted that role so bad. He really wanted it. Could have been interesting. Could have been an interesting play on things. Could have I been. don't know. I think it might have been too silly <clears throat> at that time in 1989. Maybe, maybe. I don't know. You know, Robin Williams is a phenomenal actor, but he didn't really do anything kind of like a serious roles until until later. later. Yeah, he did. But and, and it and it well, seems this like might have been the first one. <clears throat> Possibly, but it also could have been a very, a very silly, uh, uh, you know, fucking yeah, 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 Mork from Orc type right, right, crazy right. No, bullshit. I get, you. I could, I get you. Like Not, nothing taking away from uh, Robin Williams at all, his talent or anything. But I just, I would think it might go a little silly. Like uh, it could have, it could have. But have. remember, this is him auditioning for the script that we got. Um, okay, but that, that but that was. Uh, that the script did change because of Jack Nicholson. Actually, Nicholson wanted a different finale. Now, the finale that we got in the final film of Batman and Joker in, in the Bell Tower and everything that was really inspired because Nicholson and, and um, a couple other people from from uh, the the crew went to see uh, uh, Phantom of the Opera live. And they were so enamored with the whole Phantom of the Opera finale in the Bell Tower that they were like, we need this in the Batman movie. And that's why it's in there today. Uh, wow. There were several people who redrafted that script. The original script actually had Robin in it. And this mm. is, the, and I shit you not, the person who was up for playing Robin was yes. Eddie Murphy. Eddie Murphy was up to play Robin. Okay, so if we had a Robin Williams Batman and Am Eddie I Murphy your mind right here? Robin, <laughs> now that almost that seems like we that would be worth it to have existed maybe too that version at least. Uh, I, I don't want our version to disappear, but I'd like to be able to peek into a timeline where that was the the you movie. You want a, a flashbox, <laughs> a, a flashpoint paradox? If yes, you... <laughs> if I could flashpoint paradox myself into that just to see the movie and I could pop right. back out, I would like to see that because that. You know, also because that Eddie Murphy was uh, uh, about to be like uh, he already was like a like this titan of comedy yeah. and about you know just at this height around that time. Right, right. Um, and this also would have given us our first black Robin. True, which would have been cool. Which would have been cool. Absolutely, absolutely. Dude, do you think he would have? Uh, oh, dude, I would love to see his his Robin suit. It looks like it'd be like there's like that purple suit and delirious that he wears. It's kind of like it's just modeled after that. And he's yeah, Robin. Yeah, like the, either, <laughs> either the raw suit or the delirious suit. Either yeah. one. Those are outrageous fucking outfits that he wears in those. Yeah. Um, and it's just uh, like kind of made some, some the tailored or, you know, adjustments to be Robin. That would be sweet. Yeah. So that's, uh, that's, man. uh, that's that's the big scoop, and that's the information I have about Batman 89. But what I would like to move on to now is Batman Returns, the sequel uh, to the 89 film. Mm -hmm. Now, Batman Returns was not as big of a hit, but it was still a big hit. Uh, and this is the second one with, of course, with Keaton as uh, Batman. Uh, 
uh-huh. and uh, it's uh, it's it's still a beloved film, particularly by this motherfucker right here. I love Batman Returns. It's my all-time favorite Batman film. Now and, I'm gonna I'm gonna agree with you because yeah. that movie also I feel is mine as well because it's it just gets so delightfully dark. Oh my um, God, does it ever? And and it's it's uh, captured my imagination at that especially at that time is whenever it came out as a kid. You know, I'm like, ooh, Batman can like this. It just like storytelling and the visuals and stuff. Like mm-hmm. really, I I was deeply super inspired by that whole aesthetic. Um, Me too, man. Me as you too. can you know imagine you you know see the kind of stupid covered in stupid tattoos <laughs> now um like that but yeah that that style you're right like i always go back to when i think of batman 89 i always think of batman returns first because that's the yeah. that's the aesthetic i see and yeah it just it's the performances weird. i mean then you're talking about titans in the first this one who are you talking about oh my god dude oh yeah, danny yeah. devito devito as as penguin Pfeiffer. Pfeiffer, as catwoman <laughs> and christopher walken as max shrek yeah, uh, you know, a character that they really created for the, for that specific film, uh, named after the actor who played Nosferatu in the original silent film. Um, Why? Yeah, yeah. yeah. <laughs> um, now, here's here's the thing with Batman, Batman hmm. Returns, and I'm glad you mentioned how dark it was because that's that's uh, uh, definitely a topic I want to uh, get into. Uh, it was incredibly dark. It was much darker than the first one. Uh, it has this whole gothic atmosphere to it and it it has more of a tim burton aesthetic to it as well with the with like the carnival circus freaks that uh that penguin has as his henchmen and which is what became his his signature yes his signature absolutely he really came into his own then um yeah i mean he kind of came into his own i think with beetlejuice but then with batman returns Edward Scissorhands, he kind of solidified it as not just a one movie thing. And, and also to throw in there that, you know, you got Danny Elfman scoring those as well and working with uh, Tim Burton exclusively for a lot of those movies. Right. And right. that as well is also, also like such a great pairing that you're like. Absolutely. It, it would be a completely different film, even if it was the same movie and somebody else scored it, I feel. No, you're you got You've totally, got to have that Elfman. Score, no. You know. And more so to me, more so in Batman Returns than in the first one. Yeah, uh, Batman Returns. Danny Elfman um, has talked about when he made that score, he really composed it as if it was an opera, and it really plays out like that. Um, I absolutely love that score. I listen to it a lot when I'm writing. I really love it. It's it's in- very incredibly powerful and moving, and and as as just even as separate from the film, just as a score, it really plays out like an opera. The dr- the drama of it is so intense. Yeah. Um. Now now. Uh, it was an incredibly dark film, and one of the reasons it came out so so darkly is not just because of Burton, not just because of Elfman's score, not just because of uh, Danny DeVito and all the great cast, but because of the screenwriter. Now, it was written by Daniel Waters. Daniel Waters had previously written the movie Heathers. Mm. Right. One of my faves. Watched. I just—I actually just watched that a couple weeks ago again. Uh, great Because it is on Shutter. Yeah. Great movie. movie. I've seen it a hundred times. Um, a movie Winona that... Ryder is excellent in that movie. I really yeah. like her in that movie. You could never make that movie now. Never. With the school shootings and everything else, you could never get. Oh a... no 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 no. Never. No. Never. 
Um, but that movie's super fucking dark. Tim Burton saw that movie and was like, this is really great. I love the story. I want him to write my Batman sequel. <laughs> cool. You know, right, right. Yeah. But that's one of the reasons the movie turned out so dark. And that really, um, and as great as that movie is, as much as I love that movie, it killed the dark Batman. It killed the Keaton Batman because the movie was too dark for mainstream audiences. People were bringing their kids to see a Batman movie. And here you had Danny DeVito biting people's noses off uh, and making jokes about using his flipper on, on women, like, you know, like sexually. Uh, and then you had like him making pussy jokes and Michelle Pfeiffer in the beginning is when she first appears as Catwoman, she does tic-tac-toe on the guy's face with her claws and there's the blood and everything else. Um, it's a dark nihilistic, violent film. And people were in an uproar about this. And you mentioned McDonald's earlier and how like movie times were a big thing at the time. This was a big reason that McDonald's and other places went to doing very specifically kids films because they had a whole line of cups and action figures and everything else. And uh, McDonald's did in relation with Batman Returns. Yeah. And people complained and bitched so much about how dark the movie was that McDonald's had to pull all that merchandise and just, like, disown it. Now, were you, like, okay, so I, when this was happening, I clearly was not aware that that was happening around me. Were you aware that this was what it was happening when you were watching the movie back then? Or I, No, I like, don't think so. I was, I was <clears throat> 15 when this movie came out. So I was... Uh, you were 15, so I was like 13 or 12. Yeah, I was 14. I was 14, and I was like, okay, so 12. Yeah, it came out It came out the summer, summer of, of 92. Yes. So. Yeah, so. Do the math, baby. You can do it. No, what are we talking about? Anyway, continue. <laughs> Where when these movies came out? <laughs> oh, I wasn't, like, you know, I was 11. You know, I was, I, I'm, I'm, I'm still, like, clipping Batman pictures out of the you right. know newspaper and watching you know uh small wonder I you, you know I'm, I'm, I, I don't know I'm what's you know I, i'm not aware that people are decrying this movie because right, of the right. darkness i'm a tad I, older i'm a tad older than you were i was like entering my sexual maturity and stuff like you know I, la la all right that's a that's a story for another episode ladies exactly well <laughs> and also there wasn't any internet there was nothing no like, no there's no easy there was, access to information no, no there was know? not there was not so yeah this, this I, I mean i i will say like the whole uh, controversy was something that I was more aware of as an adult, as a fan of this this film. Yeah. Um, but I do have some other really cool facts about this movie before we get into the how um, how the darkness of it changed this the, the the Batman films for a while. Right, hit me. All right. So just like I did with the first one, I'm going to talk about like some of the characters and who was cast. Of course, Michael Keaton was. Batman. There was no other people considered. Uh, the first film was so successful and he was so beloved as at that point. Uh, but let's start with Catwoman. Catwoman, not only were other people considered, but someone else was cast in the role before Pfeiffer. Actually cast in the role. Goldie Hawn? No. Uh, <laughs> no. And not Roseanne Barr. And um, uh, <laughs> Okay. I was not not Kathy Bates or um, or uh, uh, Jessica Tandy, who was starring in um, Driving Miss Daisy at the time. None of them were were cast in it. There was only one woman who was cast in it. Who was it? 
And that's Annette Benning. Really? She was. She was cast as Catwoman. Uh, Annette Benning at the time, she, like if you, if you like about that time, she she made the movie Bugsy with her husband Warren Beatty. Uh, she is stunningly sexy in that movie, and mm. I think she would have been stunningly sexy in the Catwoman outfit, just as Pfeiffer was. Uh, and not, that's not the only reason she would have made a great Pfeiffer. I think she's a really great actress. Now, she was cast in the role, but what happened was good old Warren Beatty, being the Lothario that he is, knocked her up. Ah. Yeah. On so, purpose? So she wouldn't do the role? No. Oh. <laughs> I don't think you did it on purpose. I, I thought you were all like, he was just uh, <laughs> enjoying... really like going Hollywood deep no, gossip. No, no, no. I think he was just enjoying the maritals. Uh, uh, of course, and, like uh, and and his wife got pregnant, and so wow. she couldn't continue the movie because a pregnant Catwoman uh, really wouldn't have worked uh, as well, um, for whatever reason. So there were other people though who were considered for the role before Mel Michelle Pfeiffer, or at least at the same time as Michelle Pfeiffer. Um, okay. And this woman is also tied to Warren Beatty. Uh, Madonna was considered. Really. She was. She was considered for the role of Catwoman at the really time. Really glad she was not Catwoman. Me too. She can't act. The woman. Can't... <clears throat> I like Madonna. Uh, you know, whatever I can say. Like, she she was very pretty in that and that in her day. If you know whatever you're into that, but she would have been awful back acting. She can't well. act. She yeah. can't act. She really. I saw can't. Dick Tracy. It was. To, she's she's right. She's in Dick Tracy. She's terrible. She is. Yeah. yeah. That that movie's bad for many reasons. We could do a whole episode on how bad that movie is, but um. Uh, but yeah, she was considered uh, for the role. Uh, other people that were considered for the role were Bridget Fonda uh, and Cher, which is hysterical to me. And I could see you're already laughing. Whoa, that would have been a completely different movie, dude. Do you believe in the DC world? Do you believe I'm Catwoman? Like... Oh man! Right, ah. right, just the pouty lips alone would have just been enough. Uh, yeah, yeah, could imagine you get that as your happy meal toy. Share Catwoman pouty lip, like you know, you put in. You're like, uh, oh my goodness gracious! Yeah, um, I'm glad that happened. Uh, Michelle Pfeiffer is, of course, an exceptional Catwoman. Uh, she's <laughs> she's a great actress. She really has. She really captures that darkness in the character, even when she's not in the costume. She really captures it. Of course, she's very sexy. Uh, although she despised that that costume because she could barely breathe in the damn thing. She could only do short takes before she had to take it off because she was going to pass out. That's how much it crushed her ribs. Uh, but she was she was a badass when she made that movie, man. That scene where she puts the bird in her mouth, she really did that. She put a live bird in her mouth oh, and, then, and then opened it up and let it out. Uh, she also, the scene where she whips the mannequins and knocks their heads off, she really did that. She learned how to master a bullwhip and did that shit in one take. Boom, okay, boom, that, boom. That kind of sounds a little like a, a you know, uh, like a legend. Allegedly, she did it's that. It's true. Okay. You watch the, okay. watch the clip. All she, right. Boom, boom, boom. She knocks their heads off, and apparently she did that in the first take. Okay. I'll believe this you. is this is what the people in the in like the behind the scenes have said in uh, when you watch like the documentaries on these special edition DVDs and stuff. They all say the same thing. Well, we're just gonna have to uh, trust you, and you, I do. Trust if you, you question if you question the greatness of Michelle Pfeiffer again, I will reach through the computer and and throttle you. 
You're right. You're absolutely right. But also, she played the before she became the the Catwoman. Um, her character, like the uh, who, what is her name before she become? Um, Selena Kyle. Selena Kyle. Yeah. She, it, she it be it's a cool transformation because she's so different as Catwoman right. than Selena Kyle, and but she you really feel sad for her. She's kind of yeah, she's yeah. really like she's, she's very really mousy. A, yeah, yeah, she's like a, a doormat. She you feel you you feel sympathy or empathy for her or whatever and then she yeah. becomes this like yeah, yeah, oh, like crazy yeah. badass no totally uh, totally you what you witness and 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 like you know she's very different from the comic book version of batman uh of, of catwoman you know she's not a cat burglar she's really more focused on um just destruction and anarchy because you know like you said she's been terribly wrong she's been abused by many people uh and she's lashing out um so yeah yeah, she, she's phenomenal in it. Um, she's my favorite uh, Catwoman. Um, and even though she is very closely tailed by Julie Newmar, who is, oh, God damn. Like, like I am uh, I, I am biting my fist right now thinking of Julie Newmar. She but, does. She is an incredibly talented actress. You're absolutely right. She has talents in every, every possible way. Well, so I got to talk about... Um, and, and forgive me if I'm, like, going on and on, but I warned you ahead of time, like, I'm a huge Batman nut, and I thought it'd be fun to give all of these little tidbits to our No, you did, you did. He did warn me because you also sent me that certified letter that was a warning that I got this morning, and I had to sign for it and shit. Yeah, so, yeah. yeah, I was, I was warned. Like, warning, I'm a super Batman geek, and I will... I, I, could do, I could do eight hours talking about Batman. I'm trying to, to hold myself in. Uh, uh, I'm prepared. Do you have an... Um, are you going to talk about the release of the video cassette at all, or can I can I give a thing about that? Yeah, yeah, no, we can we can talk about those. Yeah, I um, what I was going to do next, real fast, is I was gonna, I was going to talk about the people who almost played the penguin. Oh yeah, hit me. Yeah, yeah. Um, of course, the penguin was played by Danny DeVito, and I can't imagine anyone better for the role of uh, for that film absolutely not i mean born when you were talking about born to play a character he's so good in it he's so menacing uh and funny at the same time but there were a couple of people who were considered uh you know for the role as well and there's two of them that i want to mention because i think it's like amazing to think of them in the role one of them is john candy was considered yeah uncle buck himself was considered. Oh, I love John Candy. Yeah. But, yeah, but it would have been silly. It would have been sillier. It wouldn't have been. Well, potentially. This kind of goes back to what you're saying about Robin Williams. I mean, if the script called for it to be darker, maybe like it could have been pulled off that way. This could have been the movie that... that... Well, I mean, no, John Candy was in JFK, and he did do some like more serious stuff, too. But, you're, I mean, he definitely was a uh, more comedic actor. You know, uh, he was Barf and Spaceballs and Uncle Buck and all that. Mm. Uh, but, I mean, who knows? Who knows? Like, Who knows? Yeah, that's just the way my 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 brain goes right, first. It's right. Like, it'd be the the other enough. actor. Okay. The other actor who was considered was Marlon Brando. Oh my God! Right? What? <laughs> no joke, dude. Marlon Brando was considered for Penguin in Batman Returns, particularly because Jack Nicholson was the Joker, and like the movie was so successful that it wasn't like an insult to. Uh, to go to Brando with this potential role. 
I'd have to fly out to his island and film all of the like footage there. Right. <laughs> he would have yeah. fucked it up though, because by yeah. that point he was a total dick. Like he made it a point to not learn his lines and to just do whatever he wanted. Uh, he was a dick. He really was. Um, yeah. Uh, and I mean, just look what he did to R- Richard Stanley with um, Island of Doctor Monroe. Like Island. Oh of Do- yeah, that documentary is on Shutter. Yeah, yeah. Uh, oh, it's awful. Yeah, he was terrible. Um, but anyway, we ended up with Dan DeVito. But one more quick thing about Penguin uh, is in the very beginning of the film, uh, you you see uh, the Penguin is a baby, and you see his parents just like, what the hell are we going to do with this this thing, you know? Because uh, he's like in a cage, and he's, he like, eats the cat and stuff. He's clearly a monster. Uh, and in the film, uh, the Penguin's father is played by Paul Rubens, better known as Pee Wee Herman. Hell yeah. Uh, he plays the Penguin's father. And uh, interestingly enough, he went on to play the Penguin's father in the TV series Gotham. So that's kind of cool that they did that. Oh. But originally, originally, and this would have been amazing, as much as I love Pee Wee Herman, uh, Burgess Meredith was originally going to play the Penguin's father. And Burgess Meredith, of course, was the Penguin in the old Batman 66 TV show. Oh, dude, that would have been oh. awesome. Now, the only- Burgess Meredith. <laughs> <laughs> You're a bum rock. <laughs> the only reason he didn't end up doing it is because he was, he was elderly at the point and he became too sick to, to do the film. That's the only reason. Fun fact, though, uh, I, and I, for, I, I apologize, I can't find it in my notes, but... Um, Paul Rubens and the woman who plays Penguin's mother, uh, those were the two characters from Pee-wee's Big Adventure who are sitting, the, the, the waitress, they're sitting in like the, the dinosaur and yeah. like, looking out the sunset. Those are the two same actors. Oh, wow. That's yeah. awesome. That's the two of them. Yeah, yeah. I told you I was a nerd. Pee-wee. <laughs> I told you I knew too much. I'm a loner, Dottie. Rebel. A rebel. A rebel. Deja vu. Um, wow, that's that's awesome. Uh, the only thing I had to say about videotapes was I forgot to say it. Batman, the first one, was the first videotape at, at our local video rental station. It was called Aldi and Westfield Video, where mm-hmm. we signed up and pre-ordered it. Like yeah, it yeah. was like one of those you can make it my birthday and Christmas present together. Yeah, yeah. Please, please, yeah, please, dude. just fucking yeah. order it. And then the day when they, like you get the call, like the next, they're like. Uh, just giving you a reminder tomorrow your Batman will be available to pick up and like it's a you have to go to school and shit and I'm like ah ah and then I have to wait for my dad to get home from work to go get it and it's just like took forever and uh it finally like nine o'clock that night we got to sit down and watch the bat Batman yeah, on yeah. VHS and it was like so uh just so um everything you wanted it to be no it I was... t- I get you <clears throat> like uh um the, that Batman official VHS tape was the first official VHS tape that I ever owned. Uh, I mean, I had taped stuff off TV. Uh, my dad's friend gave me a copy of uh, Back to the Future because he had the laser disc and he burned it to to, to VHS for me. Uh, uh-huh. But but the Batman and I and the funny thing, I still have the fucking thing with the box and everything. Um, yeah, I don't know if I have mine, but. That might have been one of the first ones we owned too. It was it, the it, first one that I personally owned. It, it was like had had to have it. Like once it was like they're coming soon on VHS. Yeah. You're like well, that, that we shit, have 
to have it. If we had to, yeah. That shit wasn't wasn't my parents. That wasn't that was mine. That was fucking mine. Oh, like yeah. said, birthday, Christmas present, all rolled one. I was like, I need this fucking movie. Oh uh, yeah, yeah, absolutely, absolutely. Um, so I think we we covered everything from the the Keaton films, uh, but going back to it being so dark, because it was so dark, Warner Brothers Studios was like, okay, we can clearly do more Batman films because Batman Returns was not a flop, it, uh, not by any means. It was the highest grossing. Uh, opening weekend at four forty five point six million dollars in the weekend. It was it was a big hit, but there was so much uh, hate thrown towards it by uh, by soccer moms and Karens that it uh, that it just you know they had to make a change. Warner Brothers was like, all right, this stuff's too dark. We need to lighten it up. And so and lighten it up they did. And lighten it up they did, much to the chagrin of anyone who, who appreciates Batman or good movies in general. Um yeah. Uh, or generals that appear in movies. Yeah, though them too. Them too. Yeah, good, good old generals, you know. Um uh, th- thank you, George C. Scott, uh, for your portrayal of George Patton. Thank you for your service. Thank you for your service. Uh so yeah, they were like, okay, we need to make this much lighter. Uh, we need to make this more kid friendly, and so they were like, "All right." They came with the, the with this script for a movie called Batman Forever, and Tim Burton was out. They were just like, you, "Thank you for your service, yeah, yeah. <laughs> but you are no longer needed here. Your movies are too dark and twisted. We're going to get somebody else." So here comes this script for Batman Forever. Now Burton was still involved in the sense that he produced this film. A lot of people forget that fact, but he produced Batman Forever. Michael Keaton, of course, was still approached to play Batman. But he was like, well, this script is terrible. It's stupid. So you guys can sit and spin. I'm out. Nice. Did he say that? Word for word? I don't know. Allegedly. Apparently... The story goes that Michael Keaton is a very gruff person in real life. So he was probably like, fuck you. <laughs> you know, Sin Spin might have been too calm for him. You know? And I like that. I appreciate that about him. I do, too. I do, too. God bless Michael Keaton. God if, bless you, Michael Keaton. If you're listening, I'm sh- and I'm sure you are, <clears throat> God bless you, Michael Keaton. <laughs> and you're probably cursing these ah, freaking idiots talking about me. Yeah, then we take it. We take it. That's fine. We do. We do. Say Except what you want it. about us. Please. Uh, so he's so he's out. So he's out. He was out. Uh, so they had to get a new Batman, and they also had to get a new director. And that brings us to our next topic. One, two, three, four. Joel Schumacher. Now that you can print. Now you can print. Um. Rest in peace, Joel Schumacher. He passed out. away recently. R.I.P. Now, uh, what can we say? Uh, jo- Joel Schumacher made two Batman films. He made Batman Forever, and he made Batman and Robin. These films are widely considered the worst Batman movies ever made. Maybe even the worst thing that ever happened to Batman, or the worst thing that ever happened in the history of the world. It, it, uh, rightfully so. <laughs> right? 
I would even say it would al- almost be better to know that these movies were pulled from some flashpoint timeline into right. ours accidentally. Right. I accidentally and that's how they got world. here. Like I would I would world. <laughs> somebody came out and they were like, all right, here's the truth. We pulled these out. I'd be like, absolutely makes sense. Yep, makes it sense. Does. It does. It's like that and Hitler. They pulled out of some horrible horrible other dimension. These would be the movies that would come out of a Hitler timeline. They, they really are. They're terrible. Now uh before anyone gets upset because Schumacher did passed away recently we are going to talk about some of his really good films this is just a segue this is just a segue we're to, and and to be fair schumacher himself publicly apologized years later to all batman fans for the movie batman and robin because it's so good. goddamn bad it's so well, bad even he was like fuck that movie that movie sucks i'm so sorry you know yeah, so I and mean, good for know. him Good for him. I mean, for a long time, dude, a long time, I held a grudge against Schumacher because I hated those movies so much. I was so mad. I was so personally insulted. Were you sending him like your your uh, like uh, disgruntled letters? Like, and another I, thing, Schumacher, if yeah. that's your real name, Batman gonna, would never. <laughs> I'm just gonna call you Shitmaker. Yeah, Shitmaker. Shit. <laughs> <laughs> Yeah, no, I, I really did. I held a grudge. I was like, God damn it. How could you go from Batman Returns, which is so good, uh, to Batman Forever, and then Batman and Robin, which makes Batman Forever look like Batman Returns? You know? Yeah. Jesus. First of all, you put fucking nipples on the bat suit. You know, which, you, which you was like a headline before the movie even like had any. Oh my God, it was it like, was. That was like the leading thing. Nipples on the bat suit. Nipples on the bat suit. Yeah. Uh, and um, re- I mean, really, all those movies are are toy, com- toy commercials with bat nipples. That's really all those movies are. You know, they were just like that was the focus. It was like you know, Warner Brothers was like we need to make things right with uh, with with mothers and Toys R Us and McDonald's, and we need it to be more marketable. We needed to have more merchandise. Uh, so it was like toy commercial, toy commercial, toy commercial, uh, with gay overtones because after all, it's a Joe Schumacher film. And his movies have gay overtones, by and large. Well, I mean, you're not wrong. You're just an asshole. No, uh, no I'm no, not no, saying I'm, it in a negative way. I know. I know. I'm just. Uh, I'm just joking. But come but on, yeah, you no, watch, you're absolutely watch right. A lot of his movies, and they they have gay overtones. They just do. You like, know? The, like uh, yeah, but the but these movies have no. They're all flash and no substance. Even they if are. You, they all are. That flash. Yeah. And they and they just rely. I think like this one, it just rely. They rely on just like these big names that they got for villains right. and, and shit like that. And it they was, did, uh, they did. They they had they had Jim Carrey as the Riddler, Tommy Lee Jones as Two Face, Nicole Kidman was in it, and then in the sequel they had Schwarzenegger as Mister Freeze and Uma Thurman as Poison Ivy. Yeah, and uh, I heard that, uh, that. Uh, uh, Nick P and I listened to a podcast. Shouts out Nick P. Uh, about that Bat- Batman and Robin, where like it was in uh, Arnold Schwarzenegger's contract, where he 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 would could only be on the set for I think uh, six hours a day, mm-hmm. and it took two hours to get into his makeup. Right. So they had to like rush, like try to pick up all his scenes in the short amount right, of time. Right. Right. So there was all these crazy constraints that were really put on this movie, both of them that kept them from even being able to make it maybe a good film 
uh, right and that's a fair that's a fair assessment um but at the same time the movie is incredibly silly is incredibly focused on merchandise um and it contains the worst batman of all time uh george clooney and even he admits it he very famously said man i've single-handedly killed that franchise because uh, he did, you know, until until Batman Begins, you know, came out. So, and I would say, and 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 I guess like enter DC's the beginning of their overcorrection, right? Uh, in their films, right? You know, they they wanted yeah. to make it more marketable, but they 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 took it way too right far. It's and kind of, it's kind of like we were talking about uh, on last week's show, where um, you know, like after the new beginning with with Friday Thirteenth, they wanted to make it very clear they were like. Jason lives. Yeah. Uh, and there's Halloween. Uh, Michael Myers returns. It was kind of the same thing with uh, when they when they pulled away from the Schumacher Batman movies, where they first moved, they called it Batman Begins. They're like telling you right in the title, we're starting over, folks. We we fucked up. We fucked up bad. Uh, you know. Uh, yeah. Oh my God. Like uh, Batman Forever had um, Val Kilmer as Batman, which was terrible just so bad like he's too yeah. effeminate like he looks when he, he's wearing the mask he's those like those pursed lips and he just he, he just he does he just looks so effeminate uh and i'm and i'm not saying anything uh negative or homophobic when i say that those two movies have gay overtones because they really do and schumacher's films not just those bad films but his good films uh including uh the lost boys which we're going to discuss yeah those 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 films have gay overtones. There's nothing wrong with that. It's just a simple fact. I think they're like more like a, it's, it's a sexy overtone. Mm-hmm. The dances in that kind of taboo or uh, transgressive at the time, like, ooh, we're... Well, that, may, you know... I agree, uh, that to, I agree with that to an extent, but I do think there are gay, <clears throat> gay overtones. Um, but we'll, we'll get to the Lost Boys soon enough. <laughs> Fair enough. So, uh, I, I do remember going to see Batman Forever in the theater when it came out, the night it came out, and waiting yeah. in a line uh, through, like, a theater. Not It was a, a better theater. But, yeah, just, like, uh, it being, I was like, what? This is, Bat- this is Batman yeah. now? It's like Jim Carrey was, what, The Mask and what did come Ace out? Ace Ventura. Ace Ventura, that's it, that's it. Yeah. That's why he was yeah. all... He was big at the time, yeah. Yeah, uh, but but like he and Tommy Lee Jones are pretty much, they might as well be the same character in that movie. Two Face is nothing like Two Face to the point where he he flips a coin and it comes up, "Don't kill Batman," and he's like, "Let's kill him anyway." It's like it's very against the the true nature of the characters. They're both just acting like the Joker through the whole movie, uh, and and it, it's so it's so incredibly bad. Uh, they did take, they did lift some stories from uh, Batman the Animated Series, which, uh, other than um, the the Keaton films, like that's the Batman of the '90s. I mean, that was so good, such a great yeah. show, holds up so well. I do uh, watch that every day. Yeah, God, I love that. And Kevin Conroy, uh, the voice actor for Batman, uh, one of the one of the great Batmans um, uh, as well. He continues to do the voice in in a lot of the animated films. Anyway, and the, video, uh, and the video games as well. And the video games, yes. Uh, I'm not as schooled on the video games as you, apparently. Uh, I, I'm not like a big gamer. I just know that like, I was given an Xbox 360 from my buddy, the Monsignor. Shouts out, Monsignor. And he gave me like 20 games with it. And the Batman, he gave me the Batman games, the Arkham Asylum games. So I tried those, and that's <clears throat> that's one of the first things I noticed. I was like, oh, cool. Well, it's voiced by Kevin Conroy and uh, Mark, Mark Hamill. Hamill. Yeah, so yeah. And okay. those were the... 
So that's the only reason why I really know that. I'm not like... Okay. Okay. And another thing. <laughs> if you listen to episode 14 and then voice in the background clearly strikes the same note... Uh, 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 right, right, right. <laughs> why does a man whose shirt says genius at work? I was just thinking that same episode. <laughs> yep, yep. I withdraw my question. Yeah. <laughs> um, yeah, so th- those films... Uh, like we could go on and on about why they're bad, but I don't want to just sit here and bash Joel Schumacher, you know, particularly out of respect for the dead. He, he passed away recently. And although he made terrible Batman movies, he did apologize for them. And more importantly, he did make some really good movies too. He did. Absolutely. But I want to say one more thing that I had uh, noted about Batman and Robin. Um, that also was like that m- a dark mark on that movie was that uh, Alicia Silverstone was playing Bat Batgirl, yeah. and she like got fat shamed basically. She did when she did. this movie yeah. came out, and that was one of the uh, very first like a very public uh, right. uh, um, type of thing. Again, before the internet, and you know, and we loved her from Clueless and and you know that stuff before. Yeah. And it, she wasn't even fat. It in no, she it wasn't. was just uh, it was just like this weird thing that became a headline, or was for some reason. And she defended herself very well. Like this is how uh, yeah. I. This is about you know. Yeah, I she she that. stood like steadfast and was like fu- basically like fuck you for saying some shit like right, that. Right, right, and know? I do remember that. And yeah, you're absolutely right. And she did she did defend herself well. And she wasn't fat. She wasn't fat at all. Uh, but yeah, this whole like everyone needs to look like an anorexic supermodel thing is very prominent in uh, in not just in Hollywood, but in just people who watch movies in general. And this like this this hate that comes to women who aren't these rails that look like 10 year old boys. You know, it's uh, it's really sad uh, and it is a problem. And, and even though that movie was some 20 years ago, it's still a problem. Yeah, but that but that I just remember that was one. That was ve- that was something I really recollected about that movie that made yeah, it even worse. Yeah. You know, yeah. it just it, like it was like more bad press to, to yes. the movie. Yes. Um, it was like, oh well, not only is this a shitty ass movie, but uh, everyone's shitty to this yeah. the, the 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 lead actress that they put right. in the movie. You and know? you know, what, know. like you mentioned, it was shitty, and and it really was. Uh, and this isn't just opinion. Like the movie was a gigantic bomb. It did terribly. Everyone hated it. This isn't just us being like Keaton forever, Kilmer never. Um, th- this was this this was hated. Uh, particularly Batman and Robin was absolutely despised. Uh, it's yeah. a terrible film and it was universally hated and rightly so. Um, but uh, we do want to talk about uh, one of Schumacher's better films. And before we get to it, I do want to say that. Lost Boys is not the only film of his I love. I really love Falling Down. Falling uh, Down is so fucking badass. It's so good. It's so good. And there's and there's like it gets some hate now uh, as being some kind of alt right fantasy, but I think that's kind of a load of shit. Um, you know, that might be projection, I guess. Yeah, but, I mean, but like, at the time, that's not what it's about at all. It's, it's not. Really, it's, it's not. It's really just like, about uh, a guy who just has a breakdown. Yeah, you know? just just absolutely. Uh, becomes the antithesis of everything that he's supposed to be in that moment because he can't take it anymore. He can't take it. I mean, he clearly has, like, uh, there's a disorder called intermittent explosive disorder where someone reacts 
to a, to a, a situation that angers them ten times more intensely than they than they should. Uh, and even though that's never mentioned in the film, it really uh, fits the film perfectly. Yeah. Um, and that's what I get from that movie is that here's this guy who's just had things go wrong for him because he can't control his temper and his temper explodes uh, exponentially because of that. Yeah. Uh, and then leads to the uh, the dark circumstances that he that he falls into. Um, so are we ready to discuss our next topic? I think so. Go OK, ahead. we're going to get into our very next topic. Um, so let's go ahead and do it. Here we go. One, two, three, four. Lost boys. Silent to the night. Lost boys. Lost in the loneliness. Yes. That really uh, excited my dog, Bear. She's here right now, too. Hey, baby. Welcome. She's on the show. She's on the cameo. show. Talk about a cameo. Those, those, uh, those high notes really draw her in. She's a big fan of uh, Lou Graham, as am and, I. And falsetto as well. She, she can hear the... She can really hear the nuance of our commingled angelic voices. Yeah, our beautiful singing say. voices. What Hef- a lovely singing voice. Uh, Definitely. <laughs> so, yeah, Lost Boys. Uh, we wanted to talk about this because we know we just bashed Joel Schumacher's Batman movies, but we didn't want to just like be like, well, this guy's dead and he made shitty Batman movies. We wanted to talk <laughs> about our favorite Schumacher film, The Lost Boys. Yeah. You're dead. Fuck you. That that's like the title of this episode. No, the the Lost Boys. I I know, especially for me, as one of my favorite Joel Schumacher films, if not it, in my one of my top five, probably. But but I I am also like I love uh, vampire shit. Like uh, I'm I'm uh, I love vampires. So the Lost Boys is an awesome vampire movie. Uh, plus, it stars the you know put the as we said you know we're talking. And you mentioned earlier, this is the first movie where they were together in a movie uh, for the yes. first time together. And that, that kind of birthed the, the Corey phenomenon that happened after that. Totally. Them, totally. Uh, yeah. them being like sex symbols and, and being like on the Bop magazines and all the teen dreams type stuff. They were, they yes. were that. Um, they were huge. They were huge uh, in the, in the uh, late 80s, early 90s. Yeah. And, co- and co-mingled with like into each other, like intertwined after this kind of to the extent that later on in their lives, they even did a reality show called the Corys. The two Corys. Two yeah. Corys, yeah. And uh, yeah, because that was what they were called back then. The two Corys. Yeah. Uh, now, yeah, they became they became um, not just intertwined on film, but they became very, very good friends. They were very close yeah. uh, the rest of their lives. Yeah. Uh, uh, both the Corys were uh, the same age uh, too. They were both they were both born in 1971, uh, and in fact, Mr. Corey Feldman was born on July 16th, which happens to be my birthday. Oh my goodness, that's coming up! Uh, uh, it is on the date that this airs. That'll be eight days later. Yeah, we're we're. I think the next episode is it's going to be uh, a birthday all episode. A birthday Fine. episode. I'm gonna yeah. I'm gonna bake you a cake. Okay. And I'll have to just watch you eat it because yeah. you're in Texas and I'm in New England. Yeah, so. that's, what, that's what I meant. Yes. I'm going to bake you a cake. Yeah. It's going to be... Uh, Straight from my heart, fucker! It's going to be infused with certain substances, which I will take in your name into well, the cake. Well, are you going to bake one for Corey Feldman, too? Because it's his birthday, too. Yeah, a smaller one, because the bigger one's for you, 
Because uh, uh, we, are, we are the two Corys of 2020. I think I would say that some people out there have referred to you and I as the two Corys of the new millennium. Yes. Uh, For one, I, I, I people People are saying it. People are out there saying it. People are uh, saying it. I'm hearing. I'm hearing. I'm hearing it. Uh, you're saying it. Uh, a lot of people are saying it. But... But yeah, but this movie it was it's just so it's so cool, man. And uh it is like the vampires are there is this weird sexiness in the vampireness that you were touching on um that happens. But one of the sexiest things about this movie that I liked that really uh became a it's a phenomenon of its own was the the sexy sax player mm. who who uh who has captured who captured the hearts of America and uh, certainly the hearts of myself um, <clears throat> during now, this I time. Now, I see you have notes, so I want you to tell us. Uh, you have some notes on Sexy Sax Man, right? I, I do. I do. I want to, you know, this this guy. Wait. OK, so in the movie, if you if you're not familiar, they, they go to a scene where there's a concert happening and uh, there's a saxophone player on stage just just playing the sack like sax like he uh like he's Johnny B good playing the guitar like yeah, you know like yeah. he's ringing a bell you know he's really giving it his all and giving it all his all uh it consists of you know these we- these weird tie-dyed skin tight skin tight pants and no shirt and he's oiled up to the gills oh, yeah, and he is yeah. wiggling and, those hips like and he's you. big as fuck he's Just, like, oh he's ripped he's like he's got no big and he's got the fucking chains yeah, yeah. And his name his his name is Tim Capello. Yes. Uh, and this guy, like, actually, he worked. He played with Tina Turner. He worked. He worked with such greats as Tina Turner, Peter Gabriel, Ringo yep. Starr, Bob Dylan. Uh, however, even self admit admittedly, he he said like this is the only thing he'll he is known for for the most. He'll, he's at conventions. Like he could be at a convention that you and I would be if he was there. Oh my gosh! If he was at a convention, you and oh I, my God. Not, we would lose our minds. We yeah. would. Uh, it would almost be a Roy moment. I feel we would have to talk to him. <laughs> it would. It would. Yeah. He only recently started doing the conventions too. I remember a couple of years ago, like people were freaking out. They're like, "Sexy sax man is signing autographs." Yeah. Yeah, and but that's like he did. All, I mean, these are. This isn't like uh, he. You know, he worked with. Second, second drum tier of uh, no, no, of no, CNC no. Music Factory. I mean, this is fucking Tina Turner, dude. Peter Gabriel, yeah, Ringo yeah, right? Starr, yeah, yeah, yeah. He Bob was Dylan, like these are big fucking names, and people are just like sexy, sexy. Yeah, they're like they're like play. I still believe, just play it. And and to this day, like he's still like you know he'll play a show or something, and like he has to do that song, otherwise people will riot. You know, it, it was like Isaac Hayes doing Shaft. If he didn't do it, he wouldn't get out alive. You know, I mean, yeah, taking care of business, get to the chorus. Right. Uh, but also, uh, <laughs> no talking, no new crap, taking care of business now. When he was hired to uh, play this part by Joel Schumacher himself, uh, this man, Tim Capello, Sexy Saxy, as I like to call him, actually composed this song about vampires and blood and whatever scary shit and rock and roll. And uh, it was rejected. They hated it. And no shit. Yeah. And Joel, yeah. Joel Schumacher suggested it to him. Uh, why don't you do a cover of this song? I believe. 
so that's why uh they that's why it's in the movie um wow and so like all this all these years he has to do the song that beat out the song he really wanted to do but he said like even himself he's glad it got rejected like it mm. really wasn't he wasn't he good. Would, it wasn't, you know, it should it should have been rejected is what is right. what I already said. So yeah, and uh, I don't know. It's that that was kind of funny. I would like but, to hear that song though. Like, I just, was thinking that, dude. Like, it, just like uh, release it, you know. Why earlier, not? earlier when you were talking about all these other people being considered for the roles in the Batman movies, I'm like, do these yeah. do these audition tapes exist somewhere on YouTube? No, you watch right? that. Right? Like I would love to see Robin Williams try out for the the Joker. I want to see what yeah. his audition looked like. That would be awesome. Right? Yeah. yeah. Totally. Same thing with this. I want to hear the sexy sax man's original vision for this movie. Right. I will let our our read. Uh, our, I keep saying readers. I'm just so used to being a writer. Yeah. I, I I would. I want I want our listeners to know that I uh, I failed them in a way on this episode because I really wanted to get a kazoo. And every time we said the word Lost Boys, I was going to go, you know, I do the fucking sax from I Still Believe. Uh, so I failed you. Uh, but finding a kazoo isn't as easy as it used to be. Well, I'm going to say, you know, um, in failing them, you actually served them well. I'm <laughs> not doing that every time someone mentioned the Lost Boys, as I imagine, might get a little bit annoying. Let's not forget that uh, Bill uh, of Bill and Ted fame is also, yes, well, Alex Winter is also in this movie. He is. Um, yeah. And is, he's in this shirt as he well. Uh, he's right here. For those who aren't viewing but Bloody. listening, uh, John Wayne is wearing a, a shirt that features the vampires from the Lost Boys, but in, instead says Twilight. Twilight. Yeah. It's beautiful. It's beautiful. Yeah, it was foreshadowing. If you were listening, if you've been watching the whole time, do you remember Joe's website? We should we should say it's uh, T-shirt Joe is his is, name, is and it's this? like it's uh, his website's like f- crazy it's, fast, super fast. Like custom shirts, custom shirts. Uh, All right, we we will, I, I will drop the link in the description for this. Uh, yeah, let's do so. Let's do so because he made the it. shirt. Yeah, and, he did uh, make this shirt, and he, and makes he deserves cool bread. Shirts. He makes really cool shirts. Yeah. He does a lot of mashup shirts. Um, so that. if you want a shirt that features the Lost Boys and says Twilight, you can get it from him. Uh, please check out the comments. John Wayne's going to put the Don't link. Don't copy in. me. <laughs> <laughs> funny, funny story about this shirt, actually. If I may segue, just just go off on a thing. I was uh, going to um, somewhere, maybe Chicago. Uh, I was at the airport and I was in line for the security line, and I was wearing this shirt, and mm-hmm. uh, I. It, it had to be during winter because I was wearing a jacket too, uh, my leather jacket. And I'm just kind of like standing in line. And I'm, you know, as high as hell, chilling, ready to fly. And this gentleman behind me, it, it like, kind of, he taps on my shoulder and he's like, Excuse me, sir. And he's like, This, he's like a dad, you know, he's like a mm-hmm. dad guy. Mm-hmm. He's like, Excuse me, sir. I, I, I had a question. I, I just wanted to ask you, what does that shirt mean exactly? And, uh, <laughs> I was like, oh, it it uh, it doesn't mean anything, man. It's just a funny mashup. Like, this is the Lost mm-hmm. Boys. He's like, I know that, but then why does it say Twilight? Is that a thing that that they're doing or something? I was like, no, nah, it's just supposed to be funny. I, mm-hmm. you know, and he's like, oh, okay, that's. And I was like, it's hard talking to him. I was like, yeah, I get. He's like, where do you get something like that? And I was like, oh, this guy made him at this convention. That's where I'm going right now. I'm an you author. Get up at the link that's uh, that you're gonna put 
yeah on this exactly show <laughs> t-shirt joe, joe. And, t-shirt joe but dude it was also funny because he's like oh wow you you write you're a writer you write books oh that's cool this is this is my wife. Uh, it's like introduced me to his wife and these two kids, he has a son and a daughter like, Hey kids, uh, you know, this guy, he writes books and I'm like, all right, cool. And then I'm standing there like maybe a few minutes go by and then I get tap on my back and he's like, excuse me. I wonder if you wouldn't mind if I could take a picture of you with my kids. No, <laughs> <laughs> it's like, all right, here we go. And I oh like lean God. down with my arms around. I'm like, Stay in school, kids. Read books, you know, cheese. Uh, But it was hilarious because it's like 5 a.m. People are in this line looking like, who who the fuck is this guy? They're taking pictures with him. Is he in in that Guns N' Roses? (laughs) It's all because of this this, uh, Lost Boys t-shirt Twilight mashup. But he was, John Wayne Camiali was one of the original Lost Boys. That's right. And I I am vampire now. But, uh, but much like Robin Williams, he didn't land the role, uh, particularly in his case, because he was uh, two years old at the time. And they were like, yeah, uh, you can't play David. It, it was you too real. Talk. Yeah. It, it was, was too, too real. real. It was. It was. It was too real. It, I mean, you want to talk about, you know, going in a darker direction. I mean, that would have been a completely darker. Right. Two year old leader of the Lost Boys. They could uh-huh. take it. Couldn't but take you, it. could you imagine me with that haircut, though, as a baby? I could imagine with it now, and it's uh, it's a very much a turn on, like the blonde mullet. Blonde mullet, like this Maybe thing you've got going on now. It's nothing compared to the the blonde mullet. I'm trying to grow it to my nipples. It's getting pretty long. Yeah, uh, it, is. it is. My hair is. So, if you're watching the video, you can see. We'll keep up with how long if I can get it down to my nips. Mm. So we're going hips and nips, or we don't eat. Hips you and nips, baby. So. Yeah, The Lost Boys, uh, I really love it too. Uh, it, it's a really fun movie. And as you know, like as a, as a kid, um, being like, oh man, like when you're a kid and you like, <clears throat> like all young adult stuff is a few years ahead of its audience. That's the whole point. Like 13 year olds don't want stories and movies about 13 year olds. They want them to be about 16, 17 year olds because they're like aspiring to be that. They're looking forward to be that. And me uh, being 12 or 13 or whatever with the lost boys uh i was just like oh man this is what i have to look forward to i get to be a vampire in a couple of years <laughs> <laughs> not a vampire hunter mind you no but a vampire. vampire dude i was so excited i was so excited uh and yeah it was just like even the poster it's like got all the young like cool looking people on it and it says uh you know uh, uh, party all night, sleep all day. It's fun being a vampire, you know. Like, like that's the tagline, and that's such a rock and roll teenage thing to say, you know. I know, actually, I I have that uh, tattooed as my tramp stamp. Um, yes. So I liked it so much. Uh, yeah, that that's your tramp stamp. Mine yeah. just says, mine just says, lucky boy. Yeah, and that has a lot of meanings, actually. <laughs> uh, <laughs> believe it or not. <laughs> It was between that and the other tramp step that I was going to get uh, right above my ass that just said, eat out more often. <laughs> Moving right along. Moving uh, right along. To our next time. You know, I, I like I, I, I had to go blue for a moment. I, I uh, you know what? And that's OK. You're loud. Sometimes we go blue yeah, in this I'm show. Sure. And that's just part of it. Thank um, you. 
But yeah, that's. I mean, we we just wanted to talk about the Lost Boys to to highlight a good movie that Joel yeah, Schumacher did. Schumacher, rest in peace. Um, rest in power. Um, power. It's a very good movie. But again, I will argue, a very homoerotic film. Extremely. In fact, it's considered uh, the second most homoerotic horror film. Uh, right, Street Part Two. Very good, my friend. You know what you're talking about. After Nightmare Part Two, which is definitely uh, the the gayest horror movie ever made. And shouts out to uh, Mike Patton, who plays the lead character in that movie. Uh, he's totally the first male scream queen. Uh, his documentary, um, uh, which is called Scream, Comma Queen, is on Shutter currently. Uh, I highly recommend everyone check it out. It's more than just a, a, a film for fans of, of uh, the Freddy movies. It's really a very moving, much more moving than I thought it was going to be documentary. Yeah, and if you and and also if you watch the Never Sleep Again documentary, which yes. is like four or five very hours good. long, yeah. mm -hmm. the, the, his section is is very uh, intriguing and, and cool, like uh, very informational on on how, what was going right. on at that time, right? Uh, around that movie, so yeah, that was that was that's pretty cool as absolutely. well. As that absolutely, absolutely. And then, uh -huh. you know, and then John Skip's on that documentary as well. Shouts out to John Skip. He is. He is because he wrote, uh, he co-wrote part five. Part five. The Dream Child. Yeah. yeah. Yes, he did. Uh, good old Skip, man. Skippy. Um, uh, uh, so, but yeah, The Lost Boys is, is considered um, a, a, a very big part of uh, gay horror film history. Uh, and when you watch the film, you can definitely see it. There's so many things in it. Um, you know, like for one thing, the male characters, when they talk to each other, including Haim and Patrick, who are supposed to be brothers, they are like an inch away from each other when they're talking to each other. They're so close they could kiss, you know? Mm -hmm. uh, Tori Haim has a Rob Lowe poster, a sexy Rob Lowe poster on the wall of his room. Uh, is there any different Rob Lowe poster? I don't think so. I think it's impossible to make yeah. that isn't sexy. Uh, there's a scene where, where Haim is in the bathtub and he's singing about how he ain't got a man, you know? Uh, there, there, there's so many things. They're like the fact that the the vampires they all sleep in a cave, but the one female has her own room where they all sleep together. There's, 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 there's many, many, many things. Um, <clears throat> but that doesn't. That's not a, 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 a negative in any way. It's just a fun little fact. And Schumacher yeah. was kind of known for these homoerotic <laughs> overtones in his film. Yeah. Exactly. Yeah. Uh, he's and in a good, he's in a, dying of uh, of the reefer madness, coughing his lungs out. Uh, marijuana poisoning. Don't don't uh, do drugs, kids. You'll end up like John Wayne. And no hey, one... and that's hey, you could do worse. I'm gonna say so. Smoke up, smoke up, smoke up, Johnny. Smoke the up, banner smoke year. up, Johnny. Banner year at, at the at the Triana house this Christmas. Uh, <laughs> All right, um, so yeah. From the Lost Boys, we're moving on to our next topic, which is One, two, three, four. the two Corys. Very nice. Yes, uh, the two Corys. Now we we talked about them briefly on our last show because we were talking about. Friday the 13th, A New Beginning, uh, which uh, Corey Feldman is in briefly. Uh, and then we talked a little bit about Haim. Uh, and so many of our fans 
wrote in and were like, wow, you guys really were, were interesting talking about the Corys. We want you to talk more about them because you two are kind of like the two Corys of 2020. The Cory hotline was ringing off the hook after this, <laughs> after last week's episode that requesting, uh, you know, requesting this. And, and uh, you know, and we and that's a respected collect dat, data collection uh, agency. And we, you know, we aim to please. And so here we are. You know, uh, if our to fans talk about the Corys. want us to talk about the Corys, we will. And we'll do so uh, with great love and gusto because John Wayne, uh, I think I speak for both of us when I say we love the two Corys. We do love the Corys, and and they have had a, a, a definitely a long and storied career in life with uh, documented difficulties and and things that they went through. True. That we, we don't True. want to cast a you know a spotlight on those where we, we recognize don't. We that, don't. That, that they went through those situations, but we want to talk about the cool kind of celebrate the Corys' cool things that they've done. Absolutely, absolutely. Uh, we don't we, we don't want to, like, just overshadow the fact that the two of them had some very harrowing experiences in Hollywood with molestation and and and, and so forth. Uh, what we, but we, what we want to do is we want to pay tribute to Corey Haim and Corey Feldman and the art that they made, the great films that they made, and really focus on that. Exactly. Um, so, you know, so we have The Lost Boys where they start making films together. That was the first film they ever made together, and that's where they became friends. Yes, absolutely. Uh, but they did several other films together afterwards. They, they did License to Drive. They did Dream a Little Dream. They did Blown Away, Last Resort, Dream a Little Dream 2, uh, Busted. And then they also had, as you mentioned earlier, the, the TV show, The Two Corys. And this is, this is amongst other things. They even did another a, uh, a Lost Boys sequel, which was kind of forgettable yeah uh, uh cory Haim is only in it for like a microsecond um so and it's a micro penis as well oh hey oh uh, i went blue this time you did you went blue as as as, as a hooker being strangled wow um <laughs> okay so my the thing that <laughs> out of all those movies though the one my standout uh favorite is license to drive after lost boys amen to that I really like that movie. I can. That's something I can just. I, I can definitely watch that movie uh, re repeatedly, and it's just. It's just fucking funny. It's um, so fun. It's, it's so, so fun, dude. I'm so glad you said that. Yes. And and, it's and, not and it a just, movie we agree upon. Like wow, just strike up dude, the band. We because we usually battle about movies so much. Like like, and the fact that you said License to Drive like melts my heart because it's clearly. Uh, with the exception of the Lost Boys, it's clearly the best double Corey feature you can get. I mean, yeah, it's it's uh, it's a lot of fun, and the, just uh, spoiler <laughs> alert: the the way that it's just like the family, like the grandpa also has. I want to see that movie. What happened to the grandpa? Did to the car when he brought back their car, and it was all. Oh yeah. <laughs> you know, it's uh, it's very fun. It's just fun. It's it so is, ridiculous. It it, it's so suspend your disbelief. He drives all like in reverse his pregnant mother yeah. all the way to the hospital. Yeah. You know, yeah. it it's so wacky. Uh, it but like it the is. characters are like his sister is such a bitch. Uh, you know, but she's fun. E everything is fun. And it, uh, and it just it's like it's one of those types of movies that they just don't make anymore. You know, it's like it's totally a movie for teens. It really captures the whole like angst of 
just being 16 and just wanting your license more than anything in the world, wanting to be able to drive, like the freedom that that represents. Uh, and like, dude, you've got, you've got a young Heather Graham as the love interest. Mm-hmm. I mean, humming a humming a humming a humming a you know, yeah. like fist, I'm fist fighting right now. Not as much as I would for uh, Julie Newmar, but I'm fist Julie fighting. Julie God. Yes, but uh, yeah, I, I I do like uh, I like Heather Graham uh, as well. She's she's a good actress and uh, a, 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 she's a wonderful personality and a great uh, attractive woman that I like to look at as well. She's hot. She's hot. She's hot. Jesus Christ! But that's uh, that is a great movie. That it is my favorite. Yeah, we agree it, on that. It's so much so, fun, dude! It's so <clears> much fun. It's such a fun movie. Um, far better than uh, Dream a Little Dream, which is probably one of the other ones they're really known for. Uh, I, I like that one. I liked it at the time, but I watched it now, and I'm like, this is just horrible. It's so bad, dude. They had so much potential to do the whole Freaky Friday thing with, with uh, Feldman and uh, Jason Robards, and they just kind of failed at it. Uh, and then, like, Corey Feldman does that whole creepy Michael Jackson impersonation yeah, uh, where he's like dancing as him and stuff, and that shit, ooh, that shit continued through his whole life. Uh, he had that video he did, uh, uh, that live performance. I think it was on NBC or so, or the I don't know the Today Show or something, where he and his his band Corn the Angels did that horrible "Go for It" uh, video. Yeah. Oh, they did. They tore. Painful, painful, and he totally did Michael Jackson in that. Well, he totally did, you know, and. Yeah. He um, and again, we weren't going to get into the whole rape allegations and all that, but um, Michael Jackson, of course, was accused of many horrible things, and uh, Feldman always swore, no, Michael didn't do anything to me. But it, like years later, he came out and he's like, well, maybe he was grooming me uh, as as a young victim. Uh, but his whole obsession with Jackson and imitating him in in his music and and everything. Is, is disturbing in and of itself. Um, but, uh, anywho. But that's a, that's a story for another podcast. That's a story for another day. Yeah, <laughs> Not this yeah. one. There even. were tragedies behind the scenes, but these guys made some cool movies. Uh, th- uh, that's what I wanted to um, talk about is, uh, next, is the, the movies that they made uh, and how cool some of them were. And you can kind of stack them against each other. Now, uh, like to me, Feldman, and I think most people would agree on this, Feldman made, by and large, the best films as compared to Haim. He had The Goonies. He had Friday 13th Part 4, one of the best in the series. He was even in Friday 13th Part 5. And so he's a Roy's boy, as we are. He's a Roy's boy. And we covered Uh, that last episode. We covered that last episode, but yeah, he's a Roy's boy. Uh, he had Stand By Me, and he had Gremlins. Yeah. Now, now Haim, on the other hand, he had Lucas. He had Watchers, not bad. Uh, but other than Lost Boys, to me, his best film, uh, and, and License Drive, but to me, his best film is Silver Bullet. Silver, I was going to say Silver Bullet. Yeah, yeah you got to mm. give props to Silver Bullet. That's a great movie, great werewolf film. Yeah. Uh, you're, you're more the vampire guy, I'm more the werewolf guy. That's, our, that's why we go together. That's what our shirt should look like. We you go as a together. werewolf and me as a vampire. Right. That's that's what I'm gonna draw. 
Yeah, we're gonna sell those uh, for sure. That's uh, a shirt, trademark. They're gonna be. They're gonna. They're gonna fly off the shelves. Team, team <laughs> vampire. T- <laughs> team Chris. Team John Wayne. That's right. <laughs> oh god. Uh, so yeah, uh, I think Corey definitely made the better the better movies. I don't think that can even be argued. But at the same time, Haim was more of the heartthrob at the time. He was the 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 better looking of the two. Uh, he got more of the babes. Oh, he's a little bit of a poon hound, I believe. I suppose so. Well, I mean, Feldman was notorious. Yeah, with but, that as well. Um, he even went on to make Meatballs Four, where he apparently got yes. laid every five minutes. So, oh, um, I haven't watched that one. Well, but, why would you? Why would you? I don't know. Meatballs Four with Corey. Hey, why would you? Why the <laughs> hell would you watch that? <laughs> oh god! I don't know. But yeah, these... these two guys. It was kind of a, like it was a real phenomenon. They were both named Corey. They were both. Uh, uh, you know, movie stars at the time. They were teen heartthrobs, and they kind of took off for a while. And unfortunately, both of them, um, very unfortunately, were the victims of uh, sexual abuse. And then, you know, got involved in drugs and other hardships. Uh, and of course, Corey Haim passed away in uh, 2010, I think it was. Yeah, yeah uh, he passed away about 10 years ago. Feldman went on to uh, be very public with uh, some of the abuse that they suffered and did his, uh, did his documentary. Mm-hmm. Uh, and so, yeah, they, they, went, they went through a lot. They went through a lot. Uh, but they, again, what we really wanted to, to discuss was their film legacy, their legacy as the two Corys. Um, yeah. Yeah. They, they, there's a, a moment uh, in time they will forever remain crystallized untainted by controversy that lies on either end of their career where they are the Corys. And and it doesn't matter who you, if you were, it was like men want to be them when women want to be with them. It was like the the ultimate, like at that moment, they, that was them. Uh, Um, And I think no, I think no moment is more quintessential Corys than license to drive. Yeah. Yeah, right. definitely. Even more so than Lost Boys. Even it though is Lost because it's a better film. Yeah, but that's the beginning. Like this yeah. is a solidification of like, yeah. At our at our peak powers, we're making License to we're Drive. We're making License to Drive. Absolutely, Lost Boys is a better film, but License to Drive is the quintessential Corey's film, because uh, it's all about the two of them. It's about them being teenagers and all the stuff that goes into being a teenager, particularly at that time. Uh, it's it's a great film, and unfortunately. It's hard to find. I, and I noticed this because I was trying to find it before we did the show because I was going to revisit License to Drive. Uh, there was a DVD that was released of it, special edition, but it was a couple of years ago, and I guess it's out of print. The fucking thing is like being sold for 90 bucks. Well, you can stream it. You can. You can Amazon stream it. You can buy yeah. it for, you can, you can rent it for like four bucks, right? Yeah. But I'm old school. I'm a DVD collector. And I was kind of like, you know what? I wouldn't mind having a license to drive in my collection. But not for 90 goddamn dollars. So to anyone who's listening to this who has any money and has any power, give us license to drive. Give us another release. It's needed. It's wanted. It's desired. Uh, do not, do not des- besmirch the golden legacy of the thespians okay. known as 
The two Corys. The two Corys, and give them their due. I went the Blu-ray treatment on this. Uh, you know, Screen Factory, we're looking at you. 4K, 5K, <laughs> you know, all 4K. of it. I want <clears throat> three-hour-long documentaries about it. And, you know, apparently there, were ta- there was talks about doing that movie, uh, doing a reboot of it with two female characters. Uh, okay, that might be. I, cool. I don't. I don't think it's the name of it. Uh, but this this is what I saw on Wikipedia that there that there was uh, talk of like them doing some female version of it. I don't know that that really works, and I don't mean to sound sexist in saying that. It's just the movie is very much about two guys who really want to get a license drive so they can pick up girls. Yeah, I was just gonna say it's it's a very yeah. much that perspective of it is it is. So you could make the same movie with girls but it would have to be from that side of it you know yeah but 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 girls don't <sighs> want to get a license so they can pick up boys it doesn't work that way in that's, our in our culture you know that's true i guess allegedly i don't want to no, get too, i don't want to get too far on this i know, you know i know it's just like a sensitive dr- thing driving and and stuff sex, you know gender and all that i know it's a very difficult but 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 honestly if we're being honest in american culture it's the guy who picks up the girl in the car you know, and particularly when this movie was made, it wasn't even a question. Definitely when this movie was made, it wasn't a question. Maybe it is now. And there's nothing wrong with a girl being the one behind the wheel. But uh, guys in our culture, they need to have a little extra something. They need to like they need to show up. Are, yeah. You know, like they yeah, need to pick have, me up. Well, you know, they need to offer something, you know, like and like a, 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 a guy who has a car at the age of 16 has an advantage uh, for picking up girls. Whereas a girl, uh, they don't have to worry about it as much as a guy does. They just don't, you know? And like, and I, I'm sorry if this offends somebody, but this is just how our society is. I didn't make the fucking rules, you know? And, and which is played out in this movie. Perfectly. Big time. Which is Big what time. this, yeah. yeah. So that's yeah, the, it would be a completely different, <laughs> it'd be a completely different movie. It, it's very hilarious though. For sure. Um, Mercedes. Her name was Mercedes. Her name is Mercedes for Christ's sake. I mean, come on. Totally, they could totally do a, a female-fronted version of this, but it, the, 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 the purpose of them getting the license would have to be different. It would have to be like, you know, like these girls, let's say they're, they're shut-ins, their parents are super religious, whatever, and like the, the license means they're finally free to go and do whatever they want. It doesn't have to be because they want to pick up boys. It could be like they want to go to some concert or something like that. This you sounds like, I mean? a, a, like a Rumspringa type, uh, you know, Amish uh, find yourself adventure type yeah, of thing no, you're proposing no. here. <laughs> <laughs> but no, really, like, it could I, be like this is their, this is their ticket to freedom. These, these two girls who never got to do the things they wanted to do. This is their, this, like, a license to drive is their ticket to freedom. And if they made that film, it would be solid. Like, that that could be a really good interpretation of it. But if they tried to just do it the way that the story is, it wouldn't really work. You know what a great uh, movie, uh, uh, female-fronted movie, where they drive uh, to a place is? Romy and Michelle's high school reunion. <laughs> I thought um, you were gonna say Thelma and Louise, and no. I was like, well, they definitely have a destination where they drive. <laughs> I love that movie, um, Romy and Michelle. Yeah. Yeah. That that could have been the female license to drive, and I would accept it. 
Yeah, I guess. But it, it has nothing to do with any of that. I guess it is in a way. Um, okay, let's yeah. talk about this on another podcast. <laughs> I I only saw that movie once, like back when it came out, and only because my girlfriend at the sure. time, Tangi, shouts out to Tangi. Okay. She really wanted to see it. Uh, I don't really remember much about it, but I do remember it not being horrible. I remember laughing. And I remember it being funny. Um, okay. Well, we'll revisit this at another time when you're more familiar. I feel I don't want to. Uh... I'm not going to watch it again if that's what you mean. Uh, so okay, we'll talk about this off my off my. Hey, the next <laughs> my birthday, we'll talk about that's whatever true. the fuck I want. That's I true. We're going to talk about Batman the whole time, and I have that <laughs> crown being shipped to you. Don't worry for you to wear. On I am the um, but no, uh, we won't do that. We won't. No, that. no, we won't. But but we do love the Corys, and and I know this is gone. This is a. A marathon podcast, but this it is really kind is. of this is the kind of entertainment we bring you. If you can call it's it, it's a long. That. I knew it was going to be long just because of the Batman factor. I knew was I was just... going to talk my ass off and uh, dominate this episode, uh, kind of okay. like the last episode where, like, I just fucking went on and on about Halloween and just massacred Halloween three, and I and I I, I heard the the demo of it, and I was like, Jesus Christ, I just didn't shut up, did I? This is fine, dude. This is how the podcast works. Okay. You know, All right. We're, this is what we're doing. And and it's beautiful to look at our faces here together. And yeah. Uh, yeah. And, and yeah. So I, I don't know. I think we should maybe bring this. Did you, anything else you want to touch on before we bring this into like the, the doc? Uh, no, I think, you know? I think we covered the big topics, the big three that we wanted to talk about. I think we, we did um, much love to the, to the two Corys. Corey Feldman, wherever you are, we love you. Corey Haim, love rest you. in peace. Rest in power, my brother. Rest in power. Um, Joel Schumacher, rest as well. Rest in power. Uh, and You're Michael, up there with and Corey. Michael Keaton, Michael Keaton, we're looking to you for guidance. Please say DC, DC is a mess uh, cinematically. Um, we we pray you. We we, we pray pledge, you. We pray you. <laughs> pledge ourselves to you. Only you <laughs> help us, Michael Keaton. You're our only hope. That's right. God damn it. God and, damn uh, it. And save this country. So yes. Cool. Um, well, that's another successful episode. And I just want to point out that we do have the domain name chrisandjohnwayne.com, where you can go right to the source. <laughs> and uh, but this podcast is also on Spotify. Uh, Google Play, Stitcher, Apple Podcasts, and everything else. I've I've got put us in all these uh, RSS feeds, so we're That's right. good to go. And you can go and to our U- YouTube channel, Vital Social Issues and Stuff with Chris and John Wayne, and watch the video. Of you this. can watch the whole podcast, the video of both of us, me in my Batman shirt, John Wayne in his Lost Boy shirt, mm-hmm. uh, because we like to foreshadow. Foreshadowing. Um, talk about. Um, and uh, you can also check out Mr. John Wayne at johnwayneisdead.com. You can find me at christophertriana.com. And Christopher is with a K, so it's K-R-I-S-T-O-P-H-E-R-T-R-I-A-N-A. Uh, you can also find us on uh, all the social media platforms, be they Facebook or Twitter or what have you. My personal Twitter is Coyote Chris, and that also is with a K, so it's K-O-Y-O-T-E-K-R-I-S. And you can find all my little witticisms. John Wayne, you want to give them your particular um, 
what you call it? Yeah, a uh, uh, moniker. My handles. Your you, handles. You gave, Thank um, you. <clears throat> you gave them all pretty well. I mean, you go go to johnwayneisdead.com. You can find everything on me, including uh, I have a shop page there where you can get stuff directly from me, books, and get signed and stuff. But uh, you can also find me on all my social medias at John Wayne is Dead, um, as as uh, Old Coyote Chris here mentioned. That's it. Word. Where I'm at. So uh, so this is a great great time, dude. What a time. Absolutely. Uh, and so next week we'll see what happens with your birthday. Who knows what the the future will hold? Who knows? Thank you all for listening. We love you all. May Batman be with you. Be with you. Mm-hmm.